powered from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from the Drew State Studios in California. It's episode 251 of the Primetime Show. Tonight, we welcome the gents from Cavalier Cigars as our special guests. And as always, the Primetime Show is brought to you by Saga Cigars. Davos Race introduced another chapter to Saga, Saga Celeste. So is a Spanish word that means leisure after work in the spirit of standing ideal of owning your own journey and making your own saga. Saga Sled is the perfect companion to enrich those moments of choice, making them truly yours. Saga Sled carries a blend of Cuyoyo Olor and Peloto Cubano wrapped in a selected Ecuador shade Claro wrapper that generously delivers with elegance and surprisingly rich and balanced smoke. It's available in three sizes at an affordable price. Ask your retailer for Saga Celeste. And by Perdomo Cigars. Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the Perdomo 20th Anniversary brand is offered is consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary blend requires tobaccos have been carefully hand-selected and are well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo Anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combine these beautifully bourbon-balanced wrappers with thick, high-priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigar is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo Estate Selection Vintage, the Perdomo Double H 12-Year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary, Perdomo Abano Bourbon Barrelays, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Menso 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And of course, we want to mention Aganorsa Leaf. Great leaf makes great cigars. Aganorsa Leaf stands up because of the distinctive flavor of the Corojo 99 and Criollo 98 seeds cultivated by the Cuban agronomists on the best lands in Jalapa and Esteli, Nicaragua. When you smoke one of their JFR, JFR Lunatic, Guardian Farm, or Casa Fernandez cigars, you experience a unique taste and aroma that makes Aganorsa Leaf special. Smoke one today and enjoy the signature flavor of Aganorsa Leaf. And finally, by Drew Estate. Check out and download the Drew Diplomat app for your mobile device. Keep up with everything going on Drew Estate. Experience the subculture that is the rebirth of cigars. Available on iTunes or Google Play. For more information, check out www.drewdiplomat.com. And as always, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network of Shows is sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate, as well as the California Studios for the Primetime Thursday show. Well, welcome, everybody. Primetime episode 251 uh, we're doing tonight. Uh, this is Will Cooper here. I am on the black stage here in the uh, Perdomo Cigar Studios. And I'm joined uh, cross-country by my good friend and colleague, Mr. Aaron Loomis. How you doing tonight, Will? I'm doing good. Uh, hey, what a great week, man. Uh, I think we've been all over the hot stove this week for sure. That's right. Very exciting leading up to Christmas. I know. I know. Uh, you know, um, we had a, uh, I, I mean, I, got, I, I, Christmas I'm very came happy early for you. Yeah. 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 Um, so it did, it did with, with, with Trey Turner. Uh, I watched the press conference a little while ago uh, on, on replay. It was very good. This time they actually let the manager come to the press conference. Unlike when Bryce Harper came and they told the manager. Right. Not to come, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> so it was a good sign to see the manager at this time. Although he wasn't on the dais, but right. they just had the they had the GM and the president on the day. But it was good. I was I was a good week overall. Um, you know, I think this is. It seems like the winter meetings went really fast. This, but it's always four days, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. 
So, uh, but you had no action with your Oakland Athletics at, at the at no, the, they did. They did sign someone. They did. Okay. Yeah, they, they got someone it. from the Astros that left the Astros. So you know, got a good pedigree there. Right. But uh, no, it was garbage. It was garbage signing. So yeah, nothing, nothing really good going on. It, Couldn't you even know, trade I, the guy that they the the, the highest valuable player on the team? So either. Yeah. No, no, it's you know, I I did um you know I have I was following the happenings in San Francisco earlier in the week. I mean, it was the lead up to whether they were going to get Aaron judge for the giants. And then they let down when they didn't, um, you know, it was, it, it was just very inter- interesting to see that. Um, I personally, I don't think the giants did anything wrong here. It's just, I think they, this, you know, Aaron judge was going to stay in New York and he was, I think just looking at his options. Certainly. I think he negotiated with them in good faith. I, I do think he didn't like try yeah. to leverage them, you know, but I think he wanted to try to get it, get paid too. Right. Yeah. Yep. So, um, and, uh, you know, and then Hector, Hector's probably the second winner of the winter meetings with his Mets. Yeah. With, uh, Justin Verlander. So, um, all, all's well there. So, um, we, there's still some guys out there though. I mean, they haven't been signed yet. Yeah. So. There's, there's, a, there's some good players. out Yeah. There I mean, if you, if you remember Harper went through the winter meetings and he didn't sign his contract till spring training. With yeah. the Phillies. So, you know, guys could still go back out there. Yep. As well. All right. Um, so we'll get into some things tonight. And uh we have a couple of special guests tonight. Um, we have um the the owners of Cavalier Cigars. Um, we have Sebastian and we have Brian Matola um of Cavalier Cigars. And I'm not gonna butcher Sebastian's last name. Uh <laughs> I know he's tired. So, gentlemen, <laughs> welcome back to primetime. <laughs> Thank you for having us. Yeah. I kind of thanks for having us. I kind of uh, did slide in like this. Brian was all over the the whole thing, and then he told me like, "Wake up, go there." I was like, "Okay." <laughs> yeah. Greetings from Switzerland, four a.m. in the morning. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So we have another <laughs> true like international flavored show tonight because uh, Sebastian's in Switzerland at four in the morning, and on the other hand, Brian is in Honduras, where I believe it's a couple hours early, so it's like eight p.m. here. There, rather. This will be nine, right? No, it's it's nine o'clock. Oh, it's one hour. Yeah, it's one hour because of the time change yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, depending on the time change. Yeah, thing, there's yeah. that whole thing, Coop. We don't change the time here, and so it it adjusts uh, it. Yeah, it's, it's kind of self. It's two hours part of the year, one hour the other part of the year. Yeah, something yeah. like that. This will make it easy. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but um, um. I got a question for Sebastian. Have you one been following? I know, I, I'm going to ask this question, Sebastian, because I know it's going <laughs> to irritate Aaron. So I'm going to ask: Have you been following the World Cup? That's a good question. Actually, uh, funny enough, I'm probably one of the only European that don't like football. Oh, that, 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 you get, <laughs> now you can make Aaron happy. It's a good European right there. Now I made Aaron happy. <laughs> yeah, you see that smile. <laughs> now he's like, <laughs> see, I tried. I tried as a kid. I tried a lot of different sports and everything. And I, I was one of these kids that wanted to try football. And I tried it for maybe six months and I hated it so badly that I never could watch it again, ever. So I know it's going on. I don't even know where it's at. I mean, it's, it's, I, I sometimes have get that reminder from other people that there is football going on, but I had no idea. Yeah, the, the Swiss team took a, beat, they took a beating on Monday, uh, early in the week. They're out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they they, they made the second round. Uh, I thought you know they they usually are good enough to make the second round, but they got waxed by Portugal. 
Not too surprising, though. Yeah, you know, and the funny thing, Honduras actually has a, a decent team. They just didn't make it this year. So yeah, they did once, I think, yeah, uh, a these... couple of years back, and actually, they had a whole thing going on because that's when I first moved there. That's how uh, people in Honduras knew about Switzerland. It was that Switzerland had beaten them at football for some kind okay. of tournament or something. Right. That, that everybody's like, "Oh, Switzerland! Oh, yeah, yeah, they, 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 they're really good. They, they actually beat us at football." I was like, "Sure, I mean, we're probably the 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 one-legged duck or something like this of Europe. Everybody knows how to f- play football, but we don't. We just right. I mean, it's crazy. Look at the, the. I still, you know, a couple of things that is known in Europe, right? You had Italy, France." Spain, Portugal, Holland, Germany. Everybody knows how to play football. Take Switzerland in the middle of all this, zero, nothing. And we had one or two decent, as far as I know, we had one or two decent players at some point uh, coming from a Basel team. Uh, but that was about it, as far as I know, right? Yeah. They, uh, like you, look at the, you look at the Swiss team, and most of those guys are not from Switzerland. Like, I oh, was yeah, no. looking at the, lot at of, the rosters. Lot of, I'm like, you're not, you're not Swiss. You like, come on. But I mean, most most European uh, countries, when you look at it, they all kind of nationalize people. Um, Switzerland, a lot of them are, um, were at least the 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 there there were a handful of there were two brothers and then a handful of decent players that were from somewhere in Eastern Europe. I don't remember and stuff like this, but you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, I remember um I remember like with the Olympics, like uh people Italy was recruiting like skiers from the US who had a, who had Italian heritage <laughs> and was giving them citizenship to compete. <laughs> yeah, I remember that, that was happening a lot with that. Oh, uh, that's something Switzerland was pretty decent at though. Yeah. Skiing. Not as much anymore as it used to be, but they were they were pretty decent at that. Yeah. Hockey. Um, Yep, and and I don't know if you know. I'll give you a little factoid, uh, and Aaron. I'll, I'll, then I'll end the FIFA talk. Uh, Switzerland actually hosted the FIFA World Cup in 1954. We just learned something. Wow. Yep. So they did host it. Uh, they were picked because of like they didn't have any during World War II. Then, um, 1950, they brought it back, but they they took it to South America because Europe was still kind of chaotic, and then. They brought it to Europe in '54, but they gave it to like the neutral country. So that's how they. That's why they did that. So still didn't win, right? Yeah, uh, they didn't win it. No, <laughs> no, they they didn't win it. I believe Brazil won it. No, Germany won it that year. West Germany won it. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it's always it's always Germany or Brazil or France or something going on. Well, Brazil's been a long time. I think it was in the '90s last time they won, right? Uh, I think 2002, was 2002, 2002 was the last time I won. Oh, um, yeah. there's only eight yeah. teams that won the World Cup. Like eight countries have only won it, so <laughs> it's there's not they a lot. Turn, they take turns, right? Yep, yep. I would, I would, I'm sure there is something like Argentina, Brazil, France, Germany, maybe Spain, Italy, or something like this. Maybe a handful more. Uh, I think you got most of them. Yeah, I think uh, England's got one. Um, yeah. also in there. Uruguay is the other one. Oh yeah, that would Uruguay is like was really strong in the early days of this tournament. Yeah. Yep. So 
I think you got him, yeah. Uh, but no, great to have you guys uh, uh, here tonight. Um, we have we haven't had Brian for a full show. We've had you for a full show before. Um, but I think this I think this has been a very busy year at Cavalier. And before we kind of get into some of the things that you guys have done this over the past year, um, you know, Sebastian, it seemed like you had a maybe, and it seemed like the strategy kind of started right before Brian came in, and then or maybe around the time Brian came in, to really move your company into, I would say, closer to that vertical integration model. It seemed like you, you had laid out a strategy with the moves you're making. Is that an accurate assessment I'm, I'm making here? It is, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I think it's the goal of quite a bit of company out there, but in our case, it also took some time to get to the right um, level I would say to be able to do the take those first steps right it's yep. it's not something that is particularly easy and um, and some things started aligning at the time where it allowed us to to start putting everything in motion and actually more and more go towards that direction yeah yep um and yeah you but here's my question would be okay you, you seem like you had a good thing going um you know producing your cigars where you were producing them um yeah, you had you had some you had I think you, you had a couple of bumps with distribution early on, but I think you got that going. Uh, what precipitated the kind of go and just go full born at this point? Well, so the, the 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 original place or two places where we had our cigars made were were fantastic. I mean, we had it was great. The only problem is um, getting to. I think it's it's like uh, anything natural, right? Yep. You get to a certain point or a certain size, a certain speed that you need, and there are problems that start coming, right? Um, and the first problems we saw coming was um, it was becoming hard to get enough cigars at the right time. Uh, and we're just in that, you know, uncomfortable zone, if you want, for that, because, um, you know, we just weigh too much compared to what we were getting and not enough to really weigh that much on the balance so that we would be the one priority of everybody. Right. right. So you, you, you just reach, I guess, in certain times during growth, you just reach those um, moments where you have to take decisions. Right. And, mm -hmm. um, and I think what press, I mean, the whole, the whole thing with when COVID started and everything kind of accelerated the whole process because not only it was starting to become more difficult to get the product, et cetera, et cetera, at least, in the volumes we needed or organized uh, the right way. But then when COVID hit, it, it really created some big delays um, and that kind of precipitated sure. the decision at the time. Sure, yeah, I, I, really I, well. I, I could see that. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening there. Uh, you you made the decision to to open the factory. Um, and I, you know, I guess you could have opened the factory anyway, but you, you chose to stay in Honduras, right? So I think that yeah. was, um, but, you know, when you opened that factory, give us a little pre, like, what was it like transitioning into a new factory? Like, how did, how did, how did that work for you guys? Uh, it was uh, funky. Well, first for Honduras, uh, as you said, we, we, we decided to stay in Honduras, um, you know, like 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 we all know um the actual place where you produce your cigars 
um, is more for choice, right? It doesn't mean that your cigars are 100% made of tobacco from one country or, not, or another. Uh, in our case, we use a lot of tobaccos from other countries, Nicaragua, the US, Dominican Republic, uh, Paraguay, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it, it was more of a where is your home kind of thing, right? And my wife being from Honduras, uh, me having lived in Honduras more than visited the other countries, but really lived in Honduras for quite a while, uh, et cetera, et cetera, just made it obvious because that was home, right? Um, for the transition, uh, it was funky. I, it, it was, it's it's not an easy task. Um, and I think we completed the, 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 when we decided it was time to uh, really look into it to find the right solution to the actual start, it took about three months. So it was build out everything, right? It was it was very fast. Um, the right, again, right people aligned, the right people came on board. That's when we had conversations with Brian and 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 other a couple of other people that that also helped figure out what was going to happen, you know, who we needed to work with, who we needed to hire, um, et cetera, because it's 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 something that you have to have people that you trust. You have to have people that know what you're doing because you can't be everywhere at the same time, right? So it was it was very uh, it was fast and uh, interestingly very fast, but but pretty pretty challenging. Right. And Brian, you um, right around this time when the factory was announced, that's when it was announced you were becoming a partner in Cavalier. So well, uh, so here's the way it went. Here's the way, here's the way it went down. Sebastian called me up on the phone. I'm driving down the road. He's like, I'm thinking about opening a factory. I said, okay, I'm in, let's do it. And he's he immediately, you could hear the panic in his voice. Wait, 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 hold, hold on. I was asking your opinion. I'm like, well, I just gave it to you. Yeah, that was pretty much it. So Brian actually became, he, he, before he even had ties with Cavalier directly, um, he actually first uh, became a partner uh, on the factory side, yeah, at that time, after that strange phone call conversation. Right, right. And how do you guys um, divide up the responsibilities of the company? That's a good question. That's a great question. <laughs> See, <laughs> I, I, I think, guess. Uh-huh. Or do you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think that, that my point is, you know, um, we're still, even though the team has grown and between the factory and the U.S. operation, the Swiss operation and everything, we're ranging. It, it varies anywhere between 80, 100 people, uh, even though we're, you know, it's still uh, uh, small operation right um which means that you still cover a lot of ground if for anybody that has responsibilities um within the companies uh or ownership within the companies etc has to cover uh ground and that 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 really i think is something that is key um not only for partners but but for management for us uh, whoever is part of our management right it's it's re- it's really something pretty uh typical i would say from small to medium companies right mm-hmm. um now 
Brian was originally, uh, how do I put that? Originally, the, the whole idea of Brian within Cavalier was the main focus on sales uh, because I suck at it. And that's just what it is. I just, you know, it's not my thing. I've always been interested by the product. I've always been interested by the developments, by, by the, the maybe a, a more artistic look at things mm-hmm. um, where Brian had very good knowledge through his and understand through, understanding through his past um, experiences, even way before the cigar industry where he, he knew and he had uh, vast experience with uh, managing sales teams and all those kind of things. So uh, that was the first part. And that's still something that he does that I luckily and happily have let go of. Um, and then there's been other things obviously coming on top of it, um, especially now that we have multiplied the, the, the fronts uh on which we kind of fight together because there is cavalier in the u.s to brand in the u.s there is cavalier in switzerland which represents uh slightly over 30 countries that were distributed in where we always have to be you know in contact and present also then you have the factory in honduras now recently we have the warehouse so it's just a lot of different things where every single part has a team whether it's big or small and so we obviously split a little bit of the tasks there but um, I, I would I would say Brian has the more pragmatic, um, uh, structured sales and those kind of things, and I work on development with Aileen, um, et cetera, et cetera. And we, you know, I I think I founded I founded this and I kind of guided it, and it's still something that I that I do and I'm happy to do. Uh, but I'm happy to let go of a little bit of the technical part. Right, right. No, I get that. And you I don't mentioned know if that makes sense, Brian. Yeah. Oh, he's out. Is he frozen? Wi Fi. Okay, he's frozen. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably the Wi Fi. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we were. It happened. Oh, he, he, oh, oh, yeah. he dropped. Oh, yeah. All right. I guess he'll There's, come back. Or the light went off. I mean, the electricity is out. Or the Wi Fi is just bad because that happens. Oh, he's back. <laughs> he's coming back. It's just the Wi Fi. Uh, you guys lost back, me for a second. Yeah, third world, third world Wi-Fi. Yeah, <laughs> you can't control it. You can't control. It. No, oh. I, I don't know what happened. Yeah. It just all of a sudden I was gone. But to, to, I, I know you guys were talking about how we distribute the responsibilities. We we are learning very quickly how to rely on the people that we have around us as well, right? So, like for me. I'm very fortunate that we have weeded out the broker teams to the, be the best of the best of the best. Um, you know, these guys represent our brand and they have a level of trust and confidence uh, in us and as do we in them. And so it makes life really easy when you, when you reach that level with people, it's uh, a pretty amazing how, um, how the relationships kind of form, you know, like I, I don't need to know every day where our brokers are. They, they, they're out there doing it. Um, and so it's really, a, a, a we, we're very fortunate on that front. 
I just kicked Sebastian out by accident. <laughs> Sorry, Sebastian. <laughs> Great. I was trying to change his name, <laughs> and I I fumbled on that. The so he's right, back. Yeah, he's back. He's coming back. Sorry, Sebastian. I actually bounced you. <laughs> I was trying to no, put, no. put your I was trying to put your name. There were two Brian Matolas there. <laughs> oh, good. All right. So no, it's I think you know, and I think like when you um, I think you guys are in a healthy. You know, as you form a partnership or you you grow your partnership, that those are the types of things that evolve. So I, I kind of, I think you guys are on a good approach with that. Um, but you mentioned you, you we talked a little about the distribution piece. Um, so there have been changes, right? You guys have opened the warehouse in Honduras. Um, does are you still working that? Well, you weren't you were actually using um the Illusioni warehouses, right? You you still had your own sales teams. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. right. So. When I was reading the uh, article, and I knew we were going to have Brian on this week, so I wanted to ask him this: Are you using a? Are you using a? You are using a direct to retail model with this, right? Where you're shipping from the factory to retailers. You yes. fulfill that way, right? Yes. Is that this is that is the a UP- program that UPS created? And it's really funny, Coop. They show up. They show up every year at the trade show and everybody I talk to never heard about this. So it's like, what are you guys doing at the trade show? Are you just yeah. walking around playing slot machines or what the hell are you doing? No, they are you there know, every like, year. I remember the year they, they first started this with with uh, Saga Cigars. Yeah, and I kept, I kept telling Sebastian, there's a guy we got to get a hold of. I met him at PCA couldn't remember what the hell his name was or, or whatever. And then finally we were on a call together and I'm like, Oh, you're that guy. You're the guy I met. But um, you know, we want to help them uh, promote this a little bit further too. Um, because I think it's a great service that they provide. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think it started, sorry, Cooper. I think it started uh, in the DR if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And there's been a couple of examples in the DR. There's been actually most of the examples that work that program are in the DR. There is, I think, a handful in Nicaragua, but we're the first ones in Honduras. There's been nobody using that program. So we actually had to go through the process with them to uh, to adapt and make that program work with Honduras. And um, I think it, it, it it's an interesting program, especially if you have your own manufacturing facilities and everything. Uh, just because you can, in that way, have everything in the same spot and you're not dependent on, you know, delayed times and shipments and stuff. And you can have, a, I think, a more a direct flow uh, between, you know, you, between, you know, your pre-production, production, then facility, and then directly split to your partners, right? Um, retailers and everything. And I think it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing. For folks who may like who are tuned in tonight who may not be familiar with the program, could you give them a little overview and then maybe how this differs from normal fulfillment that we you've seen in the past? Brian, you want to go technical? <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's really it's really interesting the way um, it works is is it's door to door with UPS. So they pick up at the uh, warehouse facility and they deliver to our retail partner. It never leaves the chain of the, the, 
the control of UPS. So it's a door-to-door -door service, um, which is really interesting. It's called <clears throat> Cigars Direct or Worldies is, the, is the, the name of the system that they use. And um, they do all the clearing of customs for it. Um, uh, the product never leaves control of UPS. It's picked up and then delivered in the, it, it basically comes into a hub, whether it be Miami, and then gets dispersed into uh, shipments across the country. Now, I did get notice that there was an airline delay for one shipment, but that's really cool though, because I've worked with UPS for years and I've never gotten a notification like that. Hey, due to an airline, your product will arrive a day late. So I was able to communicate that um, to our retail partner. Hey, there's a late flight somewhere in the US um, causing a one day delay, which is really cool. So the, the information that you're getting from them is, is really, really, really fluid and it's nice. Yeah, well, you, you get kind of an overview through them. They have a it's a dedicated program and team, right? So they're they're spe specialized in this. The other thing is, so the, the the things you need is obviously licenses, right? So you can import in the U.S. and and some obviously some um, uh, how do you call that a state specific licenses too, depending on, on certain places. Uh, but that would be the same thing with, you know, any other warehouse. Um, the, the, the interesting thing is as it never, as it never leaves the UPS, it's very, usually very fast. It's actually in some cases quite a bit faster than shipments within the U S which is very interesting. Um, <clears throat> and then, uh, uh, as, as, as Brian said, so what happens is basically uh, you're going to uh, provide them with whatever they need to come and pick up. Normally, the next day in the morning, they're here and pick it up at the warehouse, wherever you are. Then they have a transport from your warehouse, the door of your warehouse with their own. So you slap their own stickers on there and everything. They pick it up there, bring it to the airport, to their own office. They put it on their plane, which in the case of Honduras is one plane a day. So it's pretty straightforward. They get it uh, before that, between that transition, the paperwork is done and is already transmitted. So you just might have a delay, a slight delay with the border in the uh, exporting country, whatever, you know, uh, how long it takes with them. But usually it's pretty fast if the documents are done on time. Then it flies to a hub, which is usually, as Brian said, Miami. During that flight, they do the um, import paperwork and everything so that when it lands in the U.S., it's ready to immediately be dispatched to wherever it has to in their zones so that it lands quick and then is dispatched to the city uh, within, you know, two, three days or something. Yep. And you've, that's, like I said, it, it kind of, eliminates the step of having the warehouse in the u.s which it's kind of an extra step you have there um well, it, it it is it also creates um um how do you say that um more technical difficulties right not difficulty but challenges because yeah. if you have to refill something let's say you have to refill a skew 
you have it at a factory, but you can't just ship that one SKU, right? And you might be out of it in the US for X or Y reason. You never know, right? Something happened, someone bit, uh, bought much deeper than you thought, or people just turned to that, um, that one SKU or whatever it is. And that, now you have to wait that the factory can put together a big enough shipment so that you can ship to the warehouse and fulfill this, right. which in the, the case of having that close, you can immediately just take your truck, drop it there, and then ship again. So it kind of creates a couple of very interesting possibilities. Yeah, um, but the program, like I said, I, I've heard you know I've heard a lot of positives on the program, and you know it's I, again you mentioned it was called Cigars Direct, and this was created with the cigar industry in mind by UPS. It wasn't, um, it wasn't you know. So a lot of people are questioning you know shipping and what's the future of shipping ups is committed at least for this for the time being and as they put this program together so i think it's good that you guys took advantage of it because the more the program grows the, the better it's going to be for the industry in my opinion it's it's cigar specific it's um i mean it's something that has been working for a while it's something that has been created specifically for what we do so it, it actually is an interesting program Again, I think it's specifically interesting if you have operations closed or or manufacturing or close manufacturing there, right? In in your countries or of sourcing or whatever origin. Um, if you don't, uh, if you work with a lot of different factories and stuff like this, obviously, or a lot of countries, it obviously becomes more of a nightmare than anything else. But in the case of working from one or two countries, it's easy to set up one or two places like this and actually have a pretty straightforward flow. Yep. Is, are you, I guess with the factory and with the distribution, we're looking at both, are there plans that you will expand that to other clients or will you keep it exclusively for Cavalier? Right. Yes. Somebody was nodding. Yeah, somebody was nodding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's always... There's always that option, right? Um, you know, I, I think, um, you know, there's always those people that need a little bit of help too. And, and if you can share um, your experience and help somebody out, that's the thing about the cigar industry. I, when I was in Tampa this weekend, there was a guy walking a friend of his around he was in the industry and he said I want you to see the community and feel the community that we have and the guy was really impressed he's like wow you know you would think everybody's just hardcore competitors but it's not that way so I think if you can if you can reach out and help somebody and share with them a little bit of the experience that you have to help them out um, yeah there's always that opportunity you know, I, 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 could, I can't see us saying no to somebody that comes to us and says, hey, I really need help with distribution. What, would you guys be willing to? Um, and, you know, I can't see us saying no. I mean, depending where we're at, because we have future plans too to continue to vertically integrate ourselves. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a, it, you know, that, that obviously, you know, you've been through some of that when you were at Luzioni too. So, you know, that's a, a big piece of work when you take that on too. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, you're, you're responsible then for, 
basically the end part of that brand, right? I mean, you can make great cigars at the factory. You can, you know, um, do all your packaging, right? You can do all your marketing and all that. But if you don't have any way to get it to your to your retail partners, I mean, you, it's the last piece of yeah. the puzzle. So it's very, a huge it's responsibility that you take on. It's, yeah. I think, I think yeah, in a way it's, it's, it's not something that we, uh had you know as oh that's really what we need to do but obviously um it's something that we're able to do uh as long as it stays within the lines of you know uh, the country and everything because obviously the operations are based somewhere else right but it's it's something that can be done it's uh and and yeah for for us we have been through difficult times early on with with distribution um and uh we also know how painful that can be, right? Uh, I mean, it can it can make or break a brand, and um, so obviously, it's always been if if there is help that can be given, it, it will be. But it's not a main like focus or something that we're yeah. that we look at developing in specific. Right, and Sebastian, you've been through a different models. I mean, you were, you were doing self distribution, and you were leveraging the Reno warehouse with Aguzioni. And now you're going with this program. So you feel you evolved to the point where this is the model that probably is going to work best because you've been through these other models before. Yeah. And, and, and don't get me wrong, you know, um, again, Illusione was, was a great, great opportunity. And, and it's something that uh, has worked for us very well. Yeah. Um, but again, you get to a point where you need to make some decisions, right? You need to mm -hmm. make some decisions for your future. And uh, for us, it's very important to to have our own people, have our own teams, and that opportunity came along. So it, it kind of it's it's don't get me wrong, that was that was a great solution, and we really needed it at the time. So it's something that really helped us at that at that moment, uh, helped us during the time we were uh, doing this, really uh, build to that next step where we could go further and you know start doing things another way again. Yeah, no, so that's a good point. That's I think that's a fair point too. I didn't mean to imply it didn't work, but you been through oh, different no, ones. No, no. But I think you evolved to where you're at. Is what I was yeah. trying to say. Yeah. No, hundred percent. No, I, I just wanted to make sure. You know, it's it's uh, for the viewers and everything. Um, sure, exactly. Yep. We don't. I, I we don't want to uh, speak bad about anybody, especially knowing it was it was really something that that worked and is still helping a lot of people, in my opinion. Yeah, very absolutely. few, very few options, and very few people do that, and um, and I think it's it's really worth mentioning. Sure, I agree. I agree. I mean, that's and Brian, you were involved a lot, I think, when that was building, and and that certainly has turned into uh, you know, I hear more and more companies have come on board with uh with that warehouse in Reno, so for fulfillment, so it seems like it it is it is very effective. Yeah, you know, I mean, Howard, the guy that runs. Um, the Illusioni warehouse is an absolute brilliant guy. Um, and, you know, he and I decided one day that just, you know, look, there's brands out there that, again, it comes, comes down to how much you want to give back to this industry, right? Like, I, I, I learned a really long time ago that you have to be a steward of the industry that you're in because you can't expect like like our neighbor um the well maybe this isn't a good example here because maybe he works in a factory but um normally your neighbor 
doesn't give a shit about the industry that you work in. So if you expect them to be the guardian of your industry, that's not going to happen. So you have to always be a steward within the industry that you work in. And I think you mentioned it uh, earlier, Coop, you said something that it's really good for the future of this industry. We always have to think about our industry and where we're going next as an industry. Um, yeah, obviously we have to keep an eye on where we're going as a company, but as the ind industry grows and becomes and and becomes more uh, mainstream, like that's my goal, right? Is that we become this, um, you know, we, we kind of went and transitioned from a subculture to being a mainstream lifestyle um, activity. And there's some people that are doing some really good things to help us get there. Um, you know, we have to always be a guardian of the industry that we're in because it's a great industry that, um, you know, trans sends everything when you come down to it. When you're sitting in a lounge, uh, you got people from all walks of life, uh, all different, you know, you could have the CEO of a company and a guy that changes the tires on the truck for that company, sh sitting together, sharing a common bond. And that's a cigar. Cigars are a really powerful thing. So, um, you know, we we we're always looking forward, looking at the industry and how we can contribute to um the the future yeah no okay uh like i said i think that's kind of like the ups program i think the more it grows it's it it's going to help you know because there's been challenges with shipping companies so i think it's interesting to see ups kind of use it for a competitive advantage over some of the other companies right now um and I, i'll just tell you i deal with a lot of shipping companies on my day job um so i kind of look at some of the strategies and it's kind of interesting to see that uh for sure you, you know well, and, and in most cases, you're going to have to play around and uh, figure out who you're going to ship with this time, right? And who you're going to ship it with next time yep. and who you're going to ship it with next time yep. and who has a better price and who's going to get there first and, and take all those, you know, things in consideration to take your, make your, your decision. And it's an ongoing battle in a way, yeah. right? It just, it just is a never secure thing. And your your prices just go up and down and crazy, and it's very difficult to keep um, a, a stable or more or less stable range. Which, when you work with a program like this, if you can figure out some, if you can um, complete some um, requirements that they have, if you can guarantee certain volumes and things like these, um, you can get fairly flat and straightforward, um, you know, deals where you know that um, your shipment is not going to be impacted every time because it's not going up, up and down too much. It's going to be pretty much in a, in a secure range. Uh, your retailer is not going to get impacted that much either. It's, it's all a question of having a whole package that kind of allows you also to control all that costing time, et cetera, um, a little better, I think. Sure. One more question on the on the, the cigars direct, and then I got we'll go into the cigars itself. When you are you using that also to switch uh, ship to Europe? No. Okay, so, so that, that's different. That's different. Then. Yeah. Okay. So in international markets, um, we do it on a case by case. Uh, we have usually, uh, let, you can take 
different countries, Switzerland, Serbia, uh, Hong Kong, whatever it is, uh-huh. um, you have, we have one partner there that takes care of local distribution, right? So um, what we do is ship directly to that person. And usually they, I know that UPS talked about the ability of shipping to other countries. Um, and, you know, who knows, maybe it's something that we're going to be willing to do later. Um, I think for the first step, it was mainly for us to control um, where we had, you know, a bigger range of different people we had to work with, partners that we had to uh, deliver to and things like these within one country. I think it made specific sense for that. Uh, Maybe it will make sense for for the other countries later on. We've we've not really uh, taken that step yet, but we'll see. Okay. I was just curious on that. Yeah, because I hadn't heard of the case with that out of the DR. So I was just wondering. Um, all right. Um, so we talked about distribution. We talked about the factory. Uh, we've talked about you guys coming together. But big year also as far as product innovation goes. So uh, it's definitely not been a slow year for you guys. Uh, I'm smoking uh, the Inner Circle, uh, which is your basically this is your newest release, your newest brand. Uh, I remember we had you guys on the show. We we managed to get the name out of it uh, on the cigar that night, which we appreciated of that. <laughs> um, and uh, I remember you guys. I remember you were talking about this, Sebastian, and you were worried about this brand. I think we were actually on the KMA show. You were worried about like, um, it's different. It's a different look for you guys, but it's a very very nice. I mean, very nice look here. What were you Thank worried you. about with this? Was my question because it's 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 a good cigar. It looks very nice too. Yeah, I mean, never been worried about the product itself in terms of, if you want, the presentation is something that took a long time. It really took a lot of thoughts and everything, and it's something we were really excited about. The cigar itself, no worries about it. The problem, not the problem, the worry we had is Cavalier was known for one thing mainly, right? That gold diamond. Whatever right. you would pick in the range, whatever line you would go to would have that gold diamond, whether it was appearing or under another band, you would find right. it. And so that was the first time that we really decided to create a new brand that could stand on its own to pass a different message. And um, obviously, when you introduce, you know, when you've been setting things up in a way that uh, have basically built your image and brought you to a certain place, taking the risk of bringing something in really new, not just a new line, but something really new, something that people would have to learn to get um, used to and link to your you know, company um, is obviously something we had never done before. Uh, it was that risk of you know, going back to step one with something new not impacting what we already had, but where would that go? Uh, and no, we were really excited. The visuals, uh, extremely happy with it. Everything has a reason. Uh, and just the product, the cigar, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with it. It was just that change, not really change, but that addition, addition of, as you said, the new brand and not just a new product. It's, but the cigar I- itself, and Aaron, I don't know if you smoked this yet. I think it's completely different than anything you've done with Cavalier before. I think it's I think it's as I think it's something that does belong in a different brand because they smoke so different than I think the other cigars you've done so far. 
Um, you know, the Jalapa, the, the black and the white, for sure. Uh, this is just very different. Um, yeah. When you were working on this blend, was it the idea of, as you're working on this blend, is, this needs to maybe be something different than maybe putting this in with the black and the white and the Jalapa? Um, well, it was a mix of things. Um, it was mainly the concept and the idea of the message that allowed us to also decide to work completely differently on the on the actual cigar um rather than the other way around um meaning when that inner circle name came up and and the whole after working you know the whole ideas around it and understanding what it would become and what why etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, and then working on visuals and and at the same time starting working on the product and everything itself, the cigar, because of the name and because of what it had to represent and because of where it was going, this allowed us to work, to be free in a way, right? Yeah. To be to be free to express ourselves differently. And um and uh, and that means not only visually and, and etc., but it also meant with tobaccos and and as you said, it, it ended up being a very different cigar from what yep. we usually do. Still flavorful, uh -huh. still the main core of what I like to work with. It has to be something that delivers in flavor. But then you know, we for the first time we had tobaccos like Piloto, we had tobaccos like Pennsylvania, and um, it, it ended up being a very flavorful but milder cigar at the same time. It varies a little bit between depending on the sizes and everything. But it was a funky experience. It was a fun fun experience. Yeah, no, it, it definitely. Uh, and I put a picture up here because I do think the packaging. I remember when I saw it at the trade show. It really, it was, this is a nice presentation here um too but like i said the cigar i i was um sometimes when i see companies come out with a different brand they come out with a different brand and it's just like the same cigar experience you know this was so different um that you know i was like i i, I kind of got it you know I'm like this they, i think they they made the right move with this here and like i said i i you know the packaging um really nice what's the symbolic of the whole I think this is the, the plant up. Is this just a plant tip here? Is there any symbolism with that logo? Yeah, well, there's been different things. Um, the plant, so inner circle was a little bit uh, um, something that that came by looking back, right? We kind of looked back and and um, realized that, you know, we're none of us is from the industry originally mm -hmm. uh none of us belonged here um and there was no reason for us to be able to pierce through and, and make something out of it but people accepted us the press accepted us you know the retailers accepted us distribution etc 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 and and through the years and now the team grew and and we went from you know me going back with cigars in my bags and trying to figure out how to sell them to having an amazing family that, that, you know, is, is close to a hundred people. Um, and, and, and that's in a handful of years um, was a, you know, was something to commemorate. And then that also meant looking back like this made us look back to the roots and what it is that we're doing. And um, Aileen started drawing. So my, my wife that does all the visuals, she still does. Uh, it's been a couple of years now um started and worked on that tobacco plant because that's that's 
that's the the core, right? It's the essence of our industry. Mm -hmm. It's it's the engine. It's it's and, and and it's the reason. It's it's everything behind what we do, basically. And um, it was important to have a fully original design, and it actually ended up incorporating pretty well in between the classical Cavalier design logos that we have, and it's something that that we use now um, as a kind of trilogy of logos. Um, and it became, yeah, it became something that spoke to us uh, yeah. very deeply. No, it did. You know, the other thing that I really liked about the packaging here is I love the cabinet box with the wheel in it. I mean, to me, I, I'm always a big, I, I've seen it done a few times. I don't see it done a lot, but it really, I, I like it a lot is, is that look. It's, to me, it's the old school classical. Look, yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's it's something if i could have a cabinet box with nothing on it just nothing just wood old school a cinta and 50 cigars in a wheel no bands nothing that's my dream that's 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 cigars to me right that make that makes that that's my <laughs> dream it's really what it is now um we kind of went a little bit backwards and and want, wanted to go old school it's not practical you lose space so it's not good for shipping it's you know you can add all the negatives there but who cares the the, the importance is the final result it's a visual it's i think it's the origins of cigars and what 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 made me fall in love with cigars i guess it's that it's yes it's, yeah, it, yeah it's really a little bit of that wet dream <laughs> is is inner circle when you call it a brand is, and, and we've had a lot of discussion on this show about what's a brand or not but are there going to be other blends maybe under that brand is my question i'm not asking you to disclose it. i'm just wondering if that's what you're open to right now yes okay that's yes. cool okay so then you would pass the verdict for uh being a brand <laughs> yeah, we, yeah we had a show where we were be, right? saying is this a brand or not a brand um so, but you, you have passed that by answering yeah. it that way. It, 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 I mean, a brand, <laughs> yeah. no, it, it has to stand on its own. It has to have, you know, yeah. a group of product, family of product yeah. behind it, but it's something that um, uh, takes a little bit more time, um, especially with a new brand under an existing company, right? Because you kind yeah. of have to set foundations again. Yep. for something uh, different but yes um you will actually see that next year well, that's cool that's great that's great news um so just kind of at, you guys are wrapping up the year right now are your plans are you going to be a tpe this year yes okay yes. we will be at we will be at tpe um actually like i said earlier um, Coop, when I told you December is a tough month because you start looking at the year coming going, oh my God, it, it's like, we'll be at TPE before we know what happened. I mean, yeah. we will literally be there. Um, I, I think I said to Sebastian something about uh, Rocky Mountain the other day and he, he looked at me like, are you kidding me? That's in August. But, um, you know, before you know it, we'll be, it will, it'll be there. So yeah, we'll be at TPE. Um, Structure. Yeah. Really looking forward Technical to it. Aspects yeah. of things. So, so it's funny. I committed to go to Dallas this year in September of next year. And people are like, well, why are you oh, wow. I, I, Well, I have to actually, believe it or not, 
I actually do try to budget these trips. So it's not like um. Uh, <laughs> and then Brian, I, I I'm I'm gonna take you up on that offer to ride shotgun with you to Honduras. So that's. <laughs> I'm not oh, kidding. No, you guys, you guys have to, and and yeah. um, you're more than welcome to to come there, obviously. But Brian's yeah, been you, awesome. You have to yeah. See that. yeah, I know you guys have both been awesome about that. Um, it's uh, I saw the show you did, you did the show from the factory, and I that was really cool, um, to do that. So I know we want to try to do something with that in the future as well. But it was uh, yeah, it was um, like I said, I I, I you know because I'm and Brian, I think my next trip to Miami is now gonna be in January. So so uh, you'll. You'll see me at the uh, uh, Caribbean for sure. Um, so yeah, I think I'm, Brian lives most of Caribbean. most of the time in Danlin. Now it's it, been that, funny. That's what yeah. I heard. From, that's what I've heard. <laughs> He's in Danlin more than Miami. Oh, yeah. He jumps in Miami a night or two, cleans his room, and yeah, does I, his stuff. Goes goes to a shop or two, and then flies back to Honduras. Yeah. <laughs> Well, funny thing is, I, I, I met Brian for the first time. He walked into the shop at like eleven o'clock, like ready to go and yeah. smoke. <laughs> it's like <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> he was picking you up the next day. I remember, I remember that's when we first met Brian. You were going to pick Sebastian up the next day to come to, like he was coming into Florida. Oh, right, that was yeah, yeah. yeah. It was I think mm. before the Great Smoke or something like that. Yes, right? that's what it was. That's <laughs> when I first met Brian. Yep. Yeah, no, that's 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 typical yeah, Caribbean, yeah. right? You get there yeah. at eleven and you go out. Well, whenever you go out, yeah. Might Aaron, be you, 4 you haven't done the late shift two. at Caribbean yet, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, we did do the late shift at Caribbean. Oh, oh yeah. Well, yeah, that's yeah. when you that's when you were uh, sick under the weather. And yes, you were getting phone calls late at night. So yes, we we have done the late shift. That's <laughs> right, you did because yeah, that was uh yeah, I was pretty sick actually. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> um yeah. I forgot about that. I say, yeah, because you, we did the day, we were there in the daytime. Then it was right. the Espinosa yep. park thing. And then I and left the back, park yeah. thing. Yeah, that's right. Yep. That's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, so you could see that they, like, and Alan just stays there till like yep. all hours. I'm like, right. I'm like, you can kick me out, Alan. He's like, no, I still got other oh, people. And, and if you, <laughs> if you, if you get caught up in a domino game, uh i've actually walked out of caribbean and the sun is coming up um <laughs> oh my goodness so it, it, it's like yeah you feel like you're leaving a strip club you know you like walk outside and the sun is coming up and people are walking into the gym it's like what just happened i mean yeah caribbean's one of those places where you can get just like lost in time don't yeah. ever lose if you play with alan in a pair don't no. ever. <laughs> we almost got kicked out of the store because yeah, Sebastian was playing dominoes yeah. and uh, Alan was his partner. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah, luckily we started winning after that because he was not happy. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, I started letting you win because I didn't want to have to get the shelf space back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, couple of other uh what i'll do is i'll put this question up now um this is our cattle baron steak question of the night um and this is related to steak so i want to ask uh i'm gonna ask you guys individually i want to know brian the best steakhouse in reno and sebastian the best steakhouse in geneva bimo hmm. Well, I just discovered a, I just discovered a really good steakhouse here in 
Dan Lee. And I, I heard rumor that Sebastian, you went there and didn't fare too well the next day. <laughs> I was, I was willing to, I was Which willing one? to try it. It was that 800 degrees. Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. You like that? No, it, I think it was really my, my, good. Oh, my, it was my really burger good. tasted like soap. Oh man. I mean, I don't know what kind of herbs. Yeah, yeah, I heard that story. It was really bad. I heard that. I heard the story about the soap burger, and so I. It's funny because I was there with six people. First thing he does is I ordered a rib. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, no, I I'm not afraid, right? So. but it's really interesting because we went there. I had a ribeye. Another guy had a, a steak. Uh, my girlfriend had a beautiful, I don't know what she had. It was amazing. And so I said to the girl, I said, you know, the server, I said, you know, give me the bill, you know, because I like to spend money down here in, in Honduras. Like it's, it's like there's a money tree. And the bill was like $100, right? It was like 2,500 limpier. And the guys I were with, they were like, you know, you don't have to pick up the bill. We feel really bad that you paid. I said, you don't understand. If I did this in Miami, the $100 <laughs> would be just for me. Yeah. You just yeah. happen to be here. <laughs> I, I just had the same experience when I was in Mexico City last month. I had like a steak dinner, and I'm telling you, the thing came to 40 bucks, right? And like it would have cost me $180 even in Charlotte for that i was amazed 100 percent. and that's that's the funny thing so i did find this really good steakhouse in reno the best steakhouse is in a truck stop it's called uh i can't remember the name of it uh but it's in it literally in a truck stop um what the well, Sebastian, should we be taking food advice from Brian based on your th- no. what your thoughts yeah. are now? <laughs> no, All if right, you that... follow him on social media, you'll see that he eats mainly weird stuff from the gas station. <laughs> so please don't. That, I, I mean, you, you know, you do you, but I would. <laughs> uh, look, I, I'll say this. I was in Donnelly in 2015. And the great, no, 2000, 2015 and 2017. It was in 2017. I had the greatest tamale off the road on, on this road stop oh. in Donnelly that I ever had. I, and you, nothing you will ever come close to that. Dandy is eating in the streets. That's where yeah. you get yeah. the good food. You just have to know which ones to go to because it might be a little dangerous for your stomach. But if you go to the right places, you're going to eat like really good local food. Uh, I would advise on it. Like I saw this is someone who knew, obviously, and um, I trusted this person, but. I wouldn't have gone there on my own. That's <laughs> to be honest with you. It's like... Oh, it looks sketchy sometimes, but yeah, you can find some real jewels there, and you, you're going to yeah. eat amazing. There's yeah. a couple of places that, I mean, it's 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 really worth it. It's it's. Uh, I think those are the best experiences there. Yeah, yeah. Now, how about you? I'm a rib. Uh, go ahead. I'm Sorry, a ribeye Brian. guy. Mm-hmm. I'm a ribeye guy. Like I love to eat ribeye because uh, to me, there's you can never have enough fat in a in a uh, in a piece in a steak. So that's uh, you know a lot of people judge steakhouses on the New York, which is probably the right way to do it. The New York steak, but for me, I'm a ribeye guy. 
I am too. Love the fat. I, I am too. Like uh, my wife doesn't get like, why do you want a ribeye? It's all full of fat. I'm like, that's it. It's it's normal. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And the best part is, is when you eat when you eat a ribeye with somebody who's adverse to the fact, and they cutting it the fat and they're cutting it all out i i look at them and i go like what the fuck are you doing i'm sorry go, what you the hell it. are you doing you can say it is when i regulated yeah, what here. are you doing like okay like what are you doing um that's the best part and i usually reach over in their plate with my fork and grab all the fat and eat it you know <laughs> it's like come on man order a filet if that's what you're gonna do yeah it for for Geneva, it's it's funny actually because um, I don't think I've ever been to specifically a steakhouse here. And the whole my whole you know I grew up here, um, but I think that the, the it's it's something. I mean, you, you'll find you know steaks and everything in most French restaurants and whatever you want. But there is I I don't know if a specific dedicated steakhouse. There must be some. Um, but I've never really looked for it. Um, that's something that uh, I got much more into when I moved to Texas. To well, Dallas. Dallas is like Steakhouse yeah, oh, Central. Yeah, it's absolutely. I mean, and there is a well, lot of ones. I mean, there's the been one, one or in, two. Eh? The best one in Dallas is Chamberlain's because you could smoke there. There you go. <laughs> that's exactly where I was going that's exactly where I was going to. There yeah. is there is a couple that's of ones like Nicky Sands and stuff like this that are great but very noisy. Um, yeah. uh, and I think I think it was Nick and Sam that had just mind blowing meat. But um, for the overall experience, uh, Chamberlain's in Dallas for me is is the to go place. You can you, you can they have that amazing. Without- um, the, the amazing cigar room where you're served your food you have now they redid the room it's a little bigger and um they have a full bar in there now so you don't have to wait that long anymore for the drinks and everything but the drinks are not really the deal there the deal is just the global experience the, the meat is really good um the lobster mac and cheese that are not on the menu are really good and and just the whole experience to be able to smoke a cigar uh, or two actually uh during that process uh something is, is just something that you barely find anymore yeah we have a couple of places in the carolinas where you could smoke in the rest either in the restaurant outdoors or there's in south carolina there's a few indoors you could smoke oh yeah so, yeah so a uh, grandfather angus places. barn right yeah. isn't that in the angus barns in raleigh yeah yeah the angus barns yeah, up in raleigh it's about three hours in from there. there they have yeah. a room called the meat locker yep <laughs> And it, it's a and great restaurant too. It's a great restaurant yeah, too. Really like, if you didn't have cigars, the Angus Barn is definitely worth the trip in Raleigh to go to. Huh. Yeah, I would definitely advise it. Uh, I wonder New, New York Prime in Charleston in no Myrtle geez. Beach, which is really good too. You need a you need a cheese. Coop, you need a uh, cheese sponsor so you can ask Sebastian where his favorite fondue restaurant is. <laughs> I can answer that easy. <laughs> I can even tell yeah, you, the, I know only, you can. the one and only place I buy the fondue itself to make it. There's only one place I go to. It's one of these things. 
<laughs> we, we have a fun, we have a couple fondue places in Charlotte. Um, for a while, my family was really hooked on it. It's not it's not cheap fondue, is what I'll tell people. Uh, these <laughs> restaurants, but they're good. They're very good. Uh, it's that's that's like my religion here. When I when I'm the times I'm spending when I'm in in Switzerland, I'm definitely that's my my thing. Um, but it's yeah, it's been actually a little more these last months but it, it used to be it, it was very very little the, la the last couple of years yeah um, so it's actually nice to be here a little bit more from time to time but let me ask you this question to both of you guys because you are both international um so when did they start putting christmas decorations up in honduras and switzerland in like re in oh. like commercial areas because mexico they didn't do it till they didn't do it and i was there the weekend before thanksgiving they do it the weekend after so you know, here they do it after Halloween or before Halloween here. Yeah, I feel like Honduras is the same thing. Yeah. Halloween start, stops and then you start seeing like weird ass Christmas things with palm trees and stuff <laughs> yeah. like this. Like yeah. the, the yeah, like was, Santa's in the middle of the It was definitely right around. It was like in October, I think, you know. Wow. I, I remember I went to I went to uh, the secondhand store because I shop in secondhand stores. Um, and they were playing Christmas music and like, it was like November 1st and I'm, oh, this is just way too early. Just please give me like a little time. There is, but, there is uh, yeah, a Santa October. and then Lee with the deers and everything just in front of, uh, the coffee spot where, where I go. Uh, and it's been up there since October. And I, mean, I think that's the first one. Yeah, and it's like it's it's not one. small, right? It's the like balloon thing that is I don't know, probably as long as a table, just there in the middle of Dunley, and you just look at it, you're like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. This doesn't make any kind of sense. That's right now. the first one I saw. Yeah. Switzerland, I have no idea. Um, I just I just arrived here two or three days ago. I don't even remember now. Um, and you can see it now, but by experience from growing up here at the time, um, I would say it's usually early December. It might have changed, you know. I've, I've, yeah. I've honestly not lived here for slightly over four years now, so there is stuff like this I'm not 100% sure. But I know that growing up, it was somewhere early December. It was still pretty much uh, within that time frame that was kind of acceptable. Yep. Yeah, the Mexico, they had a reason. They actually have Revolution Day, which is their Independence Day, and it's uh, it's like uh, November 20th. So yeah. they usually wait to get through Me Revolution Day, and then, then they start putting the Christmas decorations up. And that usually coincides very close to, like, in the U.S. Thanksgiving. So, oh. That sounds fair. I got yeah. introduced last night to this uh... – Honduran dish that they make at Christmas. It's a like almost like a bread pudding. What's it called, Sebastian? Which one? The which one? It's like uh, it's like a bread with milk and cinnamon and eggs. It's almost like bread pudding. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's a good question. I was thinking, I, I was thinking of. But anyway, I, I got early it. that you were talking about nacatamal or something like this, but. No, if it's sweet, I don't no, know. No, yeah, yeah, I had those already too. Yeah, I had those already <laughs> too. But I'm I'm looking forward to my 
first Christmas here because I'm getting all the Honduran traditions and I got introduced to this little thing of bread. It was so freaking amazing. I'm like, what give me it? like five of those. Come on, let's go. Quit teasing me here with one. <laughs> I don't know. Amor. It's some kind of pudding or something. No, nice. it's a bread. It's bread and they like cook it with milk and, and eggs. It's almost like bread pudding uh, kind of a thing, but really silky good. Oh my God. But like I said, they, they brought me like one piece and I'm like, come on. Who, who you? I'm on. What's the, the, the chingerera yo comí anoche? Torreja. ¿Cómo? Torreja. Torreja. Ah, Torreja. All right. Nice. Um, what I want to do is um, I want to take a break. There's one more segment. Um, and Sebastian, you're welcome to stay for that one more segment. Uh, whatever you want to do, but uh, it's it's more of a fun segment. We'll do. I I I appreciate that. If you guys don't mind, uh, my bed is definitely calling. I don't even know what time it is. Probably like five a.m. <laughs> right now. We 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 totally understand it. Yeah. But yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> I'll go crash. Um, <laughs> I hope you guys have a great end of the show. Thank you for having us. Thanks Thank, you very, thank you very much. Brian, you can hang in for one more. Oh, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, Sebastian, have a great night. Yep. Thanks, oh, Sebastian, for joining yeah. us. <laughs> he's, he's gone. Good. He's gone. All right. So I'm just going to do a, a couple of sponsor reads, and then we'll get into that segment. I want to mention Tailored Smoke. Located in the heart of downtown Charlotte's epicenter and outside the Charlotte Motor Speedway in Concord, North Carolina, Tailored Smoke is your one-stop shop for a tailored cigar experience. And by Jerry Tobacco, the authentic Corojo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the Golden Age of Cigars, the Chubut was leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it's one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the, Hamadur, in the Hamasar Valley, Honduras, Julio Aroa took on a challenge of growing Corojo from the original seeds. And in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the Jerry Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now with Jerry Tobacco, who and his son Husso brought their very own brand to market and each contain the authentic Corolla leaf. Aladino is available in a wide variety of blends, including uh, the latest release, the Aladino Classic. And each of those blends represent that golden age of cigars from 1947 to 1961. Now available at your local retailer. Be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every drawer. And by Corona Cigar Company. At Corona Cigar Company, they take pride in the fact that they are cigar fanatics just like you. That's why you'll find the best selection of the rarest and finest premium cigars available anywhere in the world. Plus, they have special limited edition cigars available exclusively to Corona Cigar Company from famous international cigar makers such as Drew Estate, Aganorso Leaf, Arturo Fuente, Gurkha, and Oliva. They have the best cigar selection, best customer service, and money-saving discount prices. But don't just take their word for it. Forbes magazine was selected uh, Corona Cigar Company as the best of the web. Corona Cigar is voted at top five internet cigar retailer by Smoke Magazine. Cigar Ficcionado wrote, Corona Cigar Company, the largest best stop cigar shops in America. Place an order online at their website or visit one of Corona's four central Florida cigar superstores and cigar bars and see for yourself why Corona Cigar Company is the ultimate cigar experience. And we're getting into an Alec Bradley Live True segment sponsored by Alec Bradley. Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley. Visit alecbradley.com to find out more about their cigars. Live True. 
So, Brian, I'm going to use this segment. Uh, I have some non-cigar questions, uh, which we normally do here. But I want to do a few questions to kind of get folks to get to know you a little better. Um, we did a lot of this with Sebastian when he was on, so I didn't want to repeat it, uh, given I know he was tired and everything, too. So I'm going to ask you a few of these questions up front, and then I have some non-cigar questions I'll go through. And we usually always start the show off at the beginning with this question, but I'm going to ask it here. Brian, what was your first cigar experience like? Uh, so that's really easy. Um, my grandfather was a cigar smoker, but he also smoked two packs of Lucky Strikes unfiltered, right? Um, so for my grandfather, the part of cigar smoking that he liked the most was the ritual of cutting and lighting his cigar, toasting it. Um, you could just see this look in his eye when he would do it, that his world changed at that moment, right? Um, so to this day, people ask me all the time, why do you just cut and light your cigar? Why don't you, you know, do a little ritual thing? And it's because I, when I'm out and about or working or whatever, I don't want to have to reminisce about my grandfather. So that, that experience has stuck with me so much that when I'm by myself at night or first thing in the morning, which is by the way, my favorite cigar is first thing in the morning when the rest of the world is still sleeping. Um, I cut it, I toast it properly. And then I, 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 just really savor that moment. So that was my very first experience and, and it left an impression on me. And it's how I started smoking because he would only smoke about, you know, a half an inch, maybe less, and then put it down and then go back to the lucky strike. So that stuck with me my whole life and probably will be something that, cause I've told my kids so much that they'll pass on through the generations because it was just that impactful sure no that's good that's good do you remember what that um do you remember like some of the first cigars you smoked or so he was uh he was a big cuban smoker and um you know he you know he passed before the cigar boom you know he would have really enjoyed that to experience the new world cigars that are being put out. So uh, his favorite Cuban brand was Boulevard. So those were um, what I got introduced to. And in fact, a, a buddy of mine a, a couple of months ago gave me a Boulevard and I just had, a, I had to stop and look at the band and, and you know, that's the thing about cigars, right? Is you create so many memories with them so many different cigars that, you know, when you come across one that really impacts you, it does stop your world for a minute. Nice. Nice. That's cool. What were you doing before you got into the cigar industry? So, yeah, I've, I've had an interesting life. You know, I, I, I graduated from college with two useless degrees, had no idea what to do in the world. Um, became a commodities trader, um, fell in love with that. And then because I was involved in commodities, I transitioned into consumable products in the food industry. It was just 
somehow how this road took me and I work for um, two the the two largest food distributors in the United States, um, and uh, you know so I've been in consumable products uh, most of my life. You know, um, you know, in the food industry, you were you were cooking it, and I guess to some extent we cook cigars. I don't I just right and can't get away from it. I guess. right right right. Uh-huh. Nice, nice. Um, and then, you know, how did you get into the cigar industry would be my next question on that. So, um, you know, being, and, and I'm, I'm not shy about this. I let everybody know I have 30 years of sobriety. Um, and so the thing you have to understand about uh, quitters, which is what I affectionately call us, people that... <laughs> you know, have used all their get out of jail free cards and, you know, either one are forced to quit or, or, you know, choose to quit, whichever way it works out. The important part is, is that you get on that journey in life. And the thing is about, you know, us alcoholics and drug addicts is we're pretty social people, right? So one of the first things that I always look for in a place that I move to or, or plan on living in is where's the local cigar lounge. So I, that's how I got introduced to Dion at uh, Illusione. And I didn't realize how of a private person he is and he doesn't like to get out into public. And I had a lot of deep conversations with him very lucky to have had those conversations because not everybody gets to experience that. And then one day he just said to me, Hey, would you ever think about taking a look at my brand? Now <clears throat> I, I worked for my last company did $54 billion in sales annually. So to go look at a boutique company, it's like, um, your first impression is, is when you look at the sales volume, you go, yeah, that's cute. I did more than that before nine 30 on January 1st, most years, you know? And, and so, but then once, and I had always been in cigar lounges and I knew a lot of brokers. Um, I mean, I played poker with Tim Wong for probably the last, you know, 10, 15 years, you know? Um, so I knew what the world was like in the community. So, and the timing was just right. Cause I was a single dad, my kids, my youngest, I have two boys. My youngest had just graduated high school and he was on a great path and still is. And, uh, the timing was just right for me to really look at it and go, do I want to continue in this corporate world of just nothingness just because corporations are are empty shells they don't have a heart anymore they used to years ago um or should i do something for myself that i really have a passion for because i've been smoking cigars since i was like probably like 15 maybe 14 years old i'm 55 now um and i lived through the cigar boom and uh so when i thought about it it just was the timing was right and then um people ask me all the time how did I connect with Sebastian because 
we we really have a great relationship and uh not to put a black cloud over anything and tell a sad story but i think it should be told because i told nick malillo this in pca and he's like dude i i never would have thought that but i lost a son 30 years ago um, I'm sorry sorry uh which no and i appreciate that which coincides with my sobriety which kind of put me on a path which kind of led me to Sebastian because Sebastian's 30 years old. So what the world took from me uh, 30 years ago, I've now gotten back through the cigar industry and Sebastian. And trust me, I don't take that for granted. You know, I give him a lot of advice. In fact, he, he's, he's a very modest guy. I wish he would have told you the story when you guys were talking about the inner circle. There's actually an M on that band. And the M on the band yeah. is for his grandfather, uh, Maximilian, who was in manufacturing yep. uh, post-World War II. Yeah. Is. Some people think it's a crown, but it's actually an M. Um I actually had somebody say, just what we need is another crown cigar. And I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. It's an M and there's a story behind it. And I, I wish Sebastian would be comfortable telling it, but he is a very modest guy. He doesn't like to talk about himself too much. But his grandfather was in manufacturing before the war. Then when the war broke out in Europe, he lost all his manufacturing facilities. So when we were in Honduras, um, opening the factory together, it was really important to him and his family that they are now back in manufacturing, which is kind of cool. That's and awesome. to be part of it, yeah. to be part of it is really an honor and it's very humbling for me. Yeah, no, um, I mean, you've seemed to kind of really get into this. You've made a really good name for yourself um, quickly. I mean, I've been, you know, I was hearing about you when you joined the Luzioni and, and, you know, I was hearing it from various people. Have you met Brian yet? I had, no, I haven't actually. And, um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, obviously in a great place right now. So I think, and then the other, you just gave, well, you and I are the same age. Uh -huh. 55. Yeah. 55. Yeah. I just yeah. turned 55. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and then that's the other thing is, yep. is for like a year, Sebastian was talking to me and 55 was tough for me, Coop. I got to tell you, I don't know how you feel about 55, but I'm looking at it going, I probably have 10, maybe 15 years left of my working professional career. How do I want to spend that time? Yeah. Because when you look at 15 years or 10, or it's not a lot of time. It's, no, it's, it's just not. So Sebastian was talking to me through the first year of the factory. I really need to bring somebody in. I really need somebody. And I was giving him really great advice because I do look at him like he's my son. And I told him, um, you know, you need to have somebody who's emotionally attached to what you're doing and, and to the Cavalier brand. And Finally, one day he said to me, isn't that you? And I said, God damn it. I hate when <laughs> you're right, you know, Yeah. because you're right. It is me. And But 55 was the turning point for me to look at my professional career and go, okay, I have a limited time left. 
I, it's the first time I really thought about it. I don't know how you feel about 55, but it really hit me hard. I got introspective about it too, because like I've been doing the coop stuff for 12 years. So if I add 12 years, I'm going to be at an age where I got to think about full retirement. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of interesting to kind of see that. And, 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 you know, I'm in my, my, my other career, it's, it's getting to a wind down point too. I'm not looking to advance or anything anymore. I'm still working at it and I'm treated really good in my company. It's not a, it's a very good job I have. I like it, but you know, yeah, I started thinking about that too. It was like, wow, you know, 12 years is going to be a big difference uh, um, to see what happens to me. So, yeah, I don't know. You know, I don't know what will happen the next that, that time. So it's, I did have that same thought. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I you know, I, I never looked at age. I mean, I certainly don't act my age. I mean, um, you know, uh, my girlfriend knows the little bit of aches and pains that I have in the morning when I get up, but she's like, I don't know how you do it because in November I was three times back and forth from Honduras and, you know, I'm thinking to myself, wow, this is a young man's game. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, you know, after that third trip, you start going, oh, I felt every mile. Um, but yeah, 55 was a tough one for me. Yeah. It's an interesting one. Uh, actually 50 and 51 was a tough year for me too. Uh, that's when I realized I wasn't 40 anymore. So mm. that one, yeah, that's that's kind of a little bit of a reality check I had. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's, we'll get to some fun questions here, Brian. Uh, not that this this was great, though. Thanks for sharing all that. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. Yeah. All right. So I want to know a topping you like on pizza besides pepperoni. I don't want to hear pepper because everyone has this pepperoni. <laughs> yeah well i can tell you it's not pineapple right like <laughs> that shit does not belong on a pizza <laughs> my wife actually uh, likes pineapple pizza I, she's like i don't i don't have a problem with it if someone wants it on it but i don't like it either yeah i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna well i can't kill her because she's dead but i'm gonna re re make my grandmother turn in her grave <laughs> i um fell in love with chicharrones on a pizza i never heard that mm. one before wow yeah i mean it was just amazing right like um and i i've been this like total advocate against dipping sauces for your pizza like ranch like i'll never forget the first time as a kid growing up in new york that i encountered ranch with pizza i'm like hey you forgot to give me the fucking salad. And they're like, right. well, well, what do you mean we forgot to give you salad? I'm like, well, I got this dressing here. What the hell am I supposed to do with it? You know, they're like, oh, you're supposed to dip your pizza. I'm like, Get the, just like, why would I do that? Right. Like, is your pizza that bad that I got to dip it into ranch? Yeah. Well, the answer was yes. Right. But anyway, so I was in this place in Lake Tahoe called Front Street Pizza. It's a little tiny little place and they had chicharron as a topping for the pizza and then the guy gave me some chipotle garlic mayonnaise to dip my pizza in with the chicharron i gotta tell you it was one of the the most amazing things to this day I, every chance i get i go back there and i have that wow you know there is a like everyone rags on the 
pineapple pizza, and I get it, but the salad pizza is awful. They actually have a salad pizza where they they put lettuce and tomato and uh, um, it's terrible. I I just don't get it. But I've seen these salad pizzas uh, and they're terrible. It's just not meant to be a pizza. Yeah, no. Uh, Pizza is a tough thing, right? Like, you know, growing up in New York, we get spoiled, you know, with great pizza. And I got to tell you, this Front Street is about as close to back home as you can get uh, out on the West Coast for me anyway. And the reason I know this is because I took a buddy of mine there from Reno, and when he was eating the pizza, he's like, oh, my God, this pizza's burned. And I'm like, no, it's not burned. That's the way it's supposed to be. supposed to be a little crisp on the bottom and then have this thing. So pizza's one of those tough tough things you know yeah I, I might have to stop in there i'm heading up there uh the week after christmas so i may stop by front street pizza yeah it's um amazing 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 and it's as close to new york as and they sell it by the slice too and you get a really nice big slice hmm. you have to give course, us a report on that aaron yeah yeah where's a good one yeah you know um yeah so brian what part of new york did you grow up in I grew up right in the city in Manhattan over on the Central Park. Oh, wow. And uh, I remember when we moved to upstate New York, which was Warwick, New York. I remember crying. I know Warwick, New York. I didn't live far from there for a while. Yeah, I remember my kid was born in Poughkeepsie. And uh, I remember crying like a baby because I told my mom, she yeah. said, what's the matter with you? She's like, I don't want to be a redneck. <laughs> yeah. We, when we first got married, we lived in Goshen for a couple of years. I, I know where Goshen is. It's yeah, really Goshen's close north of Warwick. Warwick. It's right north of yeah. Warwick, basically. There's not much in between Goshen and Warwick. No, yeah. there's not. Yeah. Well, so we, Warwick was a really, Warwick was, a, like Goshen was starting to get built up, but Warwick, this is back around 1990, was still pretty much very un undisturbed very much yeah, a small we, town vibe you go when you go there i lived there in the nine in 90 91 92 i think all right i mean we used to go to greenwood lake all the time we'd yeah. love going to greenwood lake yeah, yeah. Well, well yeah i lived in that area and i i lived also in the poughkeepsie area for a short time too but so you know it's funny because when you refer to that as upstate new york and people go yeah no that's not upstate no. like syracuse buffalo <laughs> yeah that's upstate new york i'm like oh I don't yeah know. it all depends on what your perspective is right yeah the difference you know when you live in new york city exactly it's all relative but the the weather's a big difference in that area that we're talking about because New York will get rain and you'll get a foot of snow up in that area very easily. Oh yeah. So easy. you had we had some heavy winters up in that area, I remember. Uh and you know, we, we drove in it. <laughs> we drove in it. That's how we did. Uh, yeah. 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 So so you know, I know that you lived in Reno, right? What's yep. something about the city of Reno that's unique that maybe people don't know about that city from your experience there? So the people in Reno are really interesting, right? So the, first of all, they treat Lake Tahoe like it's a million miles away, right? <laughs> 25 miles away, right? And I literally have met people in Reno that have never been to Lake Tahoe. And I'm like, how is that possible? Yeah. Right? But what people don't realize is, is that Reno 
there's a good old boys club in Reno of old school Italians. Wow. Um, yeah, which is really interesting, right? Like, so the, the prominent names in Reno are Caporo and DeMonte. These were all Italian cattle rancher farmer dudes that went out in the middle of nowhere and just owned like half the valley. So um, that's a really interesting part about Reno is there's this inner circle, <laughs> which, sorry, there no you go. pun intended. There you go. No, no, <laughs> it's all good. This, there's this, no, seriously, it just came out and I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty cheesy. But no, it really is. There's this inner circle of good old boys club and they're some of the wealthiest people you'll probably meet because at one time they owned all the real estate in the valley but if you see them they're just down to earth just good people um you know like you know redneck italians you know it, it's kind of like i just i just ran into justo from uh uh, Aladino, you, you read one of his, yep. his ads and it made me think of it. it they're they're kind of like him. He's just the salt of the earth, just a good guy, you know? Yeah. Um, he took me to the tamale place, by the way. He was one of them. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could see that because he's just such a good, yeah, just yeah. a regular dude, you know? Yeah. And, and I flew back to Dan Lee with him and he, he wanted to make sure that I was okay um, and this is a guy that I don't know really well, but just in passing. And he's like, are, are you, do you have somebody coming to pick you up? Because I could take you to Dan Lee if you need. And it's like, wow, you know, this is just a great guy. I mean, I, I, I put it on my list of things to do is to get to know him a little bit better, you know, but he was like, just amazing. And back to that community thing, right? Like, here's a guy who, you know, uh, has way more experience in this industry than I'll ever have. Um, but he's offering to give me a ride to Dan Lee because he was genuinely, genuinely concerned about me. Like, hey, do you have somebody coming to get you? I could take you. I'm going that way. And I just thought it was really cool. But that's Reno, though, too. Nice. Reno has those good old boy network. Nice. I did not know that. Well, I did know that that Fredo from The Godfather too met his demise in Lake Tahoe. <laughs> so at that part, I didn't know. I didn't realize though it extended it to Reno. So they they actually still call it Fredo's Cove, right? <laughs> so that was my like. I remember just that was my first experience of hearing about like Lake Tahoe, um, mm -hmm. like when I was younger. So uh, you know, Fredo met his demise there. So uh, and I've never been to Reno. Um, I was supposed to go to Lake Tahoe in college and I always, I think I've told Aaron a story. I hit a snowstorm on I-80 and they closed the road. Actually, this was in June. So yeah. I, we never made it there. So yeah, we, we lived in Tahoe and I actually saw it snow in every month yeah. of the year. I mean, that's, it was just like, I remember yeah. sitting at a, my kid's baseball game in July and it's snowstorm. <laughs> it's like, <Yeah. laughs> this is just horrible. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I was just explaining to my girlfriend about Lake Tahoe. 
because she was asking me questions about Nevada and she said, are there beaches there? And I said, well, no, but there, there, there's a lake. Um, there's actually two really big lakes. So you got Lake Mead in the south and then you got Lake Tahoe. And I told her to pull up pictures and all of a sudden she was in the other room and I hear, wow, <laughs> wow. And I'm like, oh, she just saw pictures of Lake yeah. Tahoe. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. And then you guys could tell me, I've heard there's like, there's North Lake Tahoe and South Lake Tahoe and they have different vibes. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. You know. Um, Even the different sides, so the Nevada side and the California side, yeah, kind of different different vibes too. Yeah, I mean, you go up there, Aaron. You're you're up there regularly. Right? Yeah, yeah. You guys love it up there. I know that. Yeah. So I used to live in Incline Village on the mm -hmm. Nevada side. So when I moved to Reno, I didn't know that they had a name for people like me. I'm affectionately what's known as a decliner. <laughs> yes. A decliner. Yeah. <laughs> So they're like, oh, you're a decliner. I'm like, what the, f what is that? You know? Um, and then they explained to me that it's people that moved down, you know, from yep. in incline. Right. <laughs> I never knew that. That's an interesting expression. So Brian, you moved now to South Florida or you spend time in South Florida, I should say. What's do, one thing you've yeah. learned about South Florida since you've kind of been spending time there? So the really cool part about Miami is, is it's really close to the United States. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like a, a country within uh, another country. Yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. You I know, used to tell, yeah, I used to tell Sebastian when we were down here together um, and he would go home to Dallas and I'd go back to Miami. I tell him, well, at least you go back to, someplace where they speak English, I go back and I got to speak more Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you want to go to like a completely different place in Florida, Lake Okeechobee, I don't know if you've been there. Mm -hmm. It's got mm -hmm. kind of a, and I'm not saying this in a negative way because I actually like this state. Uh, it's got this Arkansas vibe to it. And it's, this lake is enormous. It's like, you look at it and it's like, you almost see it like it's an ocean. It's huge. It's so big. Yeah. You know, Florida is interesting, right? Because, um, at one time, there were the most head of cattle were in the state of Florida, right? Mm -hmm. And it's funny that you say Arkansas. People are like, "Why don't they? Why don't you ever hear about that?" And I'm like, "Who goes for vacation in Arkansas, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> nobody." The Hot Springs so, is really the one area I think people go to, and I've been there a couple yeah. of times, so it is really nice. But yeah, otherwise, exactly. But yeah, Lake Okeechobee was like completely. It's different than the Panhandle. It's different than obviously South Florida and Central Florida and Jacksonville. It's just different. It's like it's know, amazing how much Florida changes as you go north to south in that yeah. state. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah, and east to west. East to west is uh because when you get out to the western part of the state, it's got that Alabama vibe to it. So yeah, you, you get that, that Cajun kind of feel. It starts to get yeah. I actually just got. Uh, pulled over I was going to the Tampa Cigar Fest and I decided that I didn't want to take 75 across so I went on the Tamiami Trail which yep. is that's the 8th old Avenue, road, yeah. right? yep. 8th, it's 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 8th Street and um, I got pulled over and the 
you know, typical question, you know why I pulled you over? And I was like, <laughs> no, I really don't know why. He's like, well, you were going 60 miles an hour. And I'm like, yeah, well, the, the speed limit's 60 miles an hour. He's like, oh, no, that's the speed limit during the day. What? Why? Well, yeah, never heard exactly. That. <laughs> exactly. Right. I'm not, that was my exact response was like, what? He's like, no, there's a sign right under it that says 45. I'm like, you're, you're fucking serious about that yeah. shit? Really? <laughs> Luckily, the guy thought it was so funny that I just had absolutely no clue <laughs> and that he turned out to be a cigar smoker. I didn't get a ticket. But he, <laughs> he he's like, you know, um, I, 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 I hotbox my car, my truck. I don't open the window. So when he came up and I opened the window like this, smoke goes bellowing out <laughs> at him <laughs> and uh but yeah so to, to say like alabama that's the kind of shit i'd expect in alabama but yeah there was a daytime and a nighttime speed limit Are I, you I gotta give you credit for driving that road at night <laughs> so because yeah, even well, 75s were off at night i've done that 75 uh, drive a few times i just wanted to experience something new yeah. see if i couldn't find some new gas station grub you yeah know. yeah it's not much it's pretty no. empty it's no pretty it's empty. pretty empty yeah it's not I mean, two alligators though yeah i bet i bet mm-hmm. all right uh i'll give you a few more rapid fire ones here a pet that you would like to have besides a dog or a cat hmm that's funny because i do have a three-legged cat down here um that adopted me uh oh nice yeah, he's pretty cool. We we call him Ivar the Boneless, so because um, <laughs> he's he's only got three legs. Um, yeah. Uh, a pet that I would like to have. You know, it's funny because I've had a lot of pets in my life. I had, you know, um, I had a pet snake in college, a ball python. I've had birds. I've had, you know. English bulldogs are my first love. I've had two of them in my life. Um, I've had cats. I I really don't know. I I mean, my kids had bearded dragons or whatever the hell. Oh no, wait, that was their mom. <laughs> 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 uh, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a great question. I really don't know. You covered I mean, some interesting pets. Yeah, I've I've had some really interesting pets. Um, you know, I don't know. You know, I'm also a hunter, so that's a really tough question. You know? <laughs> yeah, would I would I want pet ducks? Probably not a good idea. Um, <laughs> a pet deer, not a good idea. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, that's a tough question. I, I I don't have an answer for that's it. That's okay. You gave us a good good uh overview of some of the pets. Yeah, so that's cool. Mm. No problem. All right, I'll ask this next question. It's a true or false question, and I think everyone answers this the same way. I'm waiting for someone to answer different. You have played hooky from school. True or false? Oh, true. Yeah, I'm waiting <laughs> for someone to say false on this one. Yeah, no, I mean, I I don't know how to this day I graduated from school because, 
you know, and, and it's funny because like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, right? My son's an avid fly fisherman, calls me up one day on a Wednesday. He's in high school, calls me up on a Wednesday at like 930 in the morning. You're not going to believe I just caught the biggest fish of my life. And I'm like, what time is it? And what day is it? He's like, oh, shit. And he hangs up the phone, right? <laughs> He had played hooky to go fishing, but when he sent me a picture of the fish, which was about an 18 pound cutthroat that he caught on a fly line. I don't know if you guys are fly fishermen, but yeah, I couldn't be mad at him. I'm like, out a boy, way to go, kid. <laughs> School's for fools. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. All right. So I know these next two questions, Brian, um, I know from being in Caribbean what you I think you again. I have, I'm looking for some interesting answers here. I know you. Uh, I've seen some TV shows and movies with you. What's a TV show like you're into? It could be oh. new or not new. So TV show, not movie, right? We're talking. Movie's gonna be the next one. Movie's gonna be the next oh, one. Movies will be the next one. So. Right. So you could go with both. Yeah. Okay. So my favorite all-time series, and. I actually shared this with Kim, who's my rep in Florida, is Norseman on, on Netflix. And it's a Viking spoof show with today's problems in the Viking world. Oh, really? So, for example, there's one scene where the guy comes home to his wife and he's packing his stuff to go raiding. And she says, sure, you're going raiding. Just another excuse to go out with your friends on a boat, you know? And she's like, did you ever think I might want to go raiding? And he's like, well, no, I never thought you would want, but do you want to go raiding? And, and she's like, no, of course not. <laughs> nice. So, so I turned Kim onto this and she watched it start to finish in one night she binge watched the entire <laughs> season three seasons i think um and so without a doubt my favorite netflix series uh i don't watch regular television so i'm not i'm a streaming guy so i i, I gotta check this out yeah it's on netflix i'm gonna check this one out i've seen it i've seen it i on there i just haven't watched it i think it was you severance is that a show you were into no that wasn't me that was alan okay that was alan i remember severance yeah. that he put on there and i'm like i started getting into that one i didn't remember who it was see the thing about watching series with alan is he'll watch them until four o'clock in the morning so when yes. you leave at one or two you miss like three or four episodes the next yeah. day when you show up <laughs> It's like, wait a second, this isn't where we left off, you know? So it's nearly impossible to watch a series yeah. with Alan. Yeah. Now, as far as movie, I think we watched Apocalypse Now when you were down. We there. did. We and did. I hadn't watched that in years. And I just loved it. Then. But what, what are some movies you're into? So my favorite movie of all time, The Pope of Greenwich Village. Oh, it's a great movie. Yep. Great movie. Yeah. Great movie. Totally. Completely low budget by movie standards. Yeah. Some some great actors in there. You got uh, Eric Roberts, Mickey uh, Mickey Rourke. Yeah. Um, 
Burt Young. Yep. Um, yeah. Just Daryl Hannah's in it. Yeah. Daryl Hannah's in it. Yep. Uh, Pope of Greenwich Village, one of my all time favorite, favorite movies. I, somebody made a cigar called that. Was it Drew? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It that's was. what they do it for Abe. They do that cigar for Abe. Yeah, the Pope of Greenwich yep. Village. The summer yep. wind came blowing in. Yep. Well, it got because Burt Young was in it. That's what kind of drove me. I remember to see that movie, and I remember it came out. I remember when it came out in the theaters. Um, but there's like a lot of these like actors in that movie you've seen in all around. I can't, I couldn't tell you their names, but there's a lot of these like you know these character actors. You just you'll see them in movies or TV shows, and they're in that movie as well. Oh yeah, they're 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 cast typed, right? Or what do you call yeah. that? Uh, yeah, they're, they're if there's a movie that requires gangsters, these guys are in it. But yep, yep. Um, they, and, and then my other favorite movie is Goodfellas, right? I mean, how can you go wrong with Goodfellas? <laughs> I mean, it took me a while to watch that show, that movie rather, because I didn't like Joe Pesci. <laughs> yeah. but, I, but and here's the thing: my dad was very good friends with the the, the actor who played Tutty Cicero, and I still never mm. watched it. Uh, his name was Frank DeLeo. Um, so, you know, it was cool when I finally watched, it. I said, man, you know, cause I knew Frank DeLeo as a kid, um, and a teenager. So it was cool to see that. Yeah. So he played the Tutty, the, the brother, the, the heavier brother. Yeah. yeah. Well, now what's, what's cool about being down here is I get to rewatch all my favorite movies in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fun. Ah, it's a, it's I mean, amazing. Rocky's my all-time favorite movie. And true story, my first night in Nicaragua, I put the TV on and Rocky's on in, in Spanish. In Spanish, I, I, yeah. I had a TV in the room. I'm like, wow, this is because I watched it in Spanish. Yep. <laughs> I just watched um, last night Toy Story in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. nice. So, I mean, this, yeah, that's a lot of fun being here, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, the lights just flickered. Yeah, oh, we got lucky. All right, I got um, two more questions, so we'll, then no, you're, you're done. So, you uh, got it. All right, your, your dream car to drive. Oh wow! Um, you know, I'm Italian, so it's going to be a Maserati. It's not my dream car to own because there's a lot of problems. Well, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, but to drive a Maserati. Um, yeah, Sebastian keeps telling me, you live in South Florida now. Why do you have this big truck? You should just trade it in and get a Maserati. And I'm like, no, the problems that come with a Maserati, yeah. not yeah. for me. Yeah, but yeah no. that's, that's my dream yeah. car to drive. Mine is the Austin Healey. And actually, I heard there's a place in Vegas I can rent one. Mm. But it's expensive. I'm sure you could, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty expensive, but I, I, one of these years I'm going to do it. Hey, Coop, you can rent just about anything in Vegas. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just about anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but the Austin Hill, you do not want to own that because getting parts for it. I remember talking to my dad, who was a big car guy, and he was like, you're never going to find parts for this thing. You're going to pay a fortune for them. And he's like, don't even try. He's like, uh, those, are, those are for ultra collectors is what he said. All right. And then, Brian, the last question. If there was a reality show about you, what would the title be? Oh. What the fuck? <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> That'd be a great title. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. 
you know, people say to me all the time, how do you get into some of this shit and you don't even drink? Like what, like what, what were you like when you drank? I'm like, there's a reason why all my drunk stories are many thousands of miles away from me. Yeah. It was not pretty. Uh, yeah what the, what the fuck would be a great name for the reality show? i like it, I like it. <laughs> all right so uh, brian uh we want to thank you very much for being on the show here we really appreciate it uh, uh thanks to pleasure. sebastian as well uh you know uh, look forward to seeing you soon i'll be you know hopefully maybe when i'm in south florida we'll connect um so and then we definitely have to get you down here yeah um uh you know well, I think well, I told you I had a, you knew so I was going through a lot of difficult stuff earlier in the year and it, I knew it was going to work. So, um, you know, hopefully now this year is going to be a lot easier. So I, I keep hoping every year gets easier, but they just don't seem <laughs> it doesn't to work out that way. way. Hey, the second half of this year got easier for me. So, so uh, one, one little bump, but that was it. Yeah. But the first but, half was uh, rough for me. Yeah. 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 I'm glad yeah. it got better for you, Coop, because. Uh, yeah. You know, you're one of the good ones, and we appreciate all yeah. the hard work that you guys do. People don't realize how much work goes into what you guys do. Um, you know, people think, like, on the cigar side that, you know, the factories, the manufacturing, the sourcing of tobacco. But what you guys do is, is really hard work, and we really appreciate what you all do. Thank you. No, thank you, Brian. Thank you very much. Yeah. We, uh, we we're grateful. No, we are too. Thanks for all the support too, as well. We do to you and Sebastian. We do appreciate it. And I have a coop project that I have to work on tomorrow. Actually, <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> I know what that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been tasked with that, and I'm thinking to myself, "Wow, yeah. oh my god, <laughs> I know what that is." Yeah, so we appreciate. Uh, no, I appreciate that too. I uh, no, it's our pleasure, you know, and 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 this is really the fun part of what we do. Right. So yes. thank you for allowing us to be on and having us because really this is the fun part of what we do. You know, the day to day um, can get a little tedious, but spending time with you all, like this was two hours that flew by and it was really just a pleasure to be here. And it's a lot of fun for us. And we, it, it's really, it's what I look forward to, you know, I mean, I don't know if you noticed that, but every time somebody reached out to me and said, please confirm or whatever, I, I responded right back because <laughs> this is what we really, this is the part yep. of the job that we really um, enjoy. And it's, you know, for me, it's better than a cigar event, right? Because like when we go to a cigar event in a shop, we get like three minutes with somebody, you know, or less, maybe two minutes. But these lives and these these things that we get to do where we spend two hours getting to know each other and talking, and I love the questions that you ask, is really great. I mean, we love this. And, and I just, you know, I, I can't wait until you have 200, 500 and how many what is this 251 251 yeah when 502 you gotta have me back on so that might, that'll right, probably right. be 12 years from now i don't know i suck at <laughs> if, math. if we go on our pace it will be about five and a half years yeah so you, you um, hopefully you'll still be here yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but write, write me in i'm 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 all in but <laughs> we can come on before that no, no, no for sure for sure i got dibs on 502 
There you go. There you go. It's done. <laughs> Consider it done. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Thank you so much for thank your you, time. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Brian. We appreciate you and everything. Thank and, you. And we'll All right. See you soon. Take care. Look for look for some more stuff now that Sebastian's gone. Can I can I spill the beans on some things? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, so there's gonna be a release um, to follow up Inner Circle in the middle of the summer. Um, we have a new line coming out at uh, P- uh, TPE as well. Okay. And um, I'm going to give you a hint on how to figure out what the name of the release is. There's a movie called Havoc. Mm-hmm. In that movie, there's a song by the name of either the artist or the name of the song by what we're going to release. Hmm. The movie Havoc is with um, some girl. I can't remember her name. Dark-haired girl. Because I think there's more than one movie named Havoc. Is it a Spanish name? Yeah. Okay. I noticed some Spanish stuff on that soundtrack. Yeah. Interesting. But I'd have to. I'd be. I'd be throwing. I'd be just throwing darts if I tried to guess. Trace delinquentes. You nailed it. Nailed it. Good winner, job, Aaron. Winner, 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 Aaron. Yes, that is Trace Delinquentes is going to be our release at TP. So nice. Um, <laughs> the link would happen. Figured, yeah, isn't that once I saw that up? name, I was like, they couldn't pass this one up. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, actually, there's no way to do that. So, um, you heard it here first on the coop. Uh, um, we are, uh, that's going to be our release in February and it's been a really fun project and way do you see this packaging is just incredible it's been it's been the one of the most fun moments of my life and and I'm talking about all 55 years of it just from the way the name of the brand came about and everything it was a lot of fun um I'll tell you how it came about we were we were driving back from Hamastron and that song came on and Sebastian was like, wait a second, we got to replay that. And it was off of one of my playlists and, and I, I was cracking up because I'm the old guy in the car. Right. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's going to be fun. And then what else do we have? Um, we have the Viso Jalapa limited uh, release coming out. It's going to ship in about two weeks. Um, it's an 11 count box coupe and it has 10 cigars sitting this way and then one across. The one across was blended and rolled by our general manager and our production manager of the Interesting. factory. Nice. I'm actually smoking. That's yeah. what I lit up second. Yep. Yeah, so there's going to be a limited release. Well, the, um, the core line I would smoke, yeah. Yeah, the core line you're smoking. So we, we're doing a limited release. Um, and we, we decided to do that because um, our annual limited release gets spread out so thin between the 32 countries that we're distributed in and the United States that not enough 
really makes it to the US in my opinion. And we just don't know how to change it because we have great relationships around the world too. Um, but we, we figured we would do a couple of limited releases from their core line and just have a little bit of fun. This limited release is not box pressed. Um, and that'll ship probably within the next two weeks. So keep an eye out for it. Nice. Good job. Yeah. So All right. We went time. over our time, but I figured <laughs> since Sebastian left, I can spill. Beans. <laughs> exactly. Appreciate it. No one. <laughs> we appreciate it, Brian. <laughs> All right. Have a good guys. night, Brian. Brian, take have care. Merry night. Christmas to everyone. And we'll talk to you soon. Uh, happy holidays to you guys. Thank you so much. All right. That's Brian Matola of Cavalier Cigars on the Primetime Show. Aaron, we went a little late. Do you want to just get right into the last segment? Um, sure. Or, yeah, I just, okay. So let me just do the uh, the sponsor read here and um, we'll get into that. Um, and of course, we want to mention J.C. Newman Cigar Company. Founded in 1895 by Julius Caesar Newman, J.C. Newman Cigar Company is the oldest family-owned premium cigar maker in America. For four generations and 127 years, J.C. Newman is handcrafting many of the world's finest cigars. J.C. Newman is headquartered in an iconic 112-year-old cigar factory in the Ybor City National Historic Landmark District in Tampa, Florida. At this factory known as Elwer Hole, J.C. Newman was premium cigars by hand and hand-operated antique cigar machines. The J.C. Newman Pensa Factory is the second largest in Nicaragua and is a brick house, Perla del Mar, El Baton, and Quorum, as well as Yago cigars, are hand rolled. J.C. Newman's Diamond Crown, Maximus, Julius Caesar, and Black Diamond cigars are handmade by tobacco A. Fuente in the Dominican Republic. With longtime partners, the Arturo Fuente family and the Newmans founded the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation, which supports low income families in the Dominican Republic with education, health care, vocational training, and clean water. Visit jcnewman.com to learn more. And by Casa Cuevas Cigars, the Cuevas family has five generations of experience in cigar making. For many years, they have manufactured cigars for many industry leaders out of the Las Lagos factory in the Dominican Republic. Now the Cuevas family has brought their very own brand to market with Casa Cuevas Cigars. You can try the Casa Cuevas line, La Manderia, Patrimonio, and Sangor Nuevo line, as well as the Cuevas Reserva line. If they don't carry it, be sure to ask your local retailer for Casa Cuevas Cigars. Casa Cuevas Cigars from our casa to yours. And by uh, Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. Uh, actually, this is our industry deliberation segment sponsored by Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. And there's no deliberation when it comes to Dumbarton's track record since launching in 2015. This included seven consecutive top three appearances on the half-wheel consensus, including number one cigar of the year in 2020 with the Mi Corita Tricky Traca. You can visit DTC Cigars and find a purveyor that carries the brands of Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. All right. So, Aaron, you know, I was, I was trying to think of a deliberation segment that was not going to be cigar of year related. <laughs> right. I, I just I don't know. I don't want to be we, we do that every year. It, it seems like it's the same thing. So I don't know how you felt about that. But I think uh, I, I, so I said, let's do something really different. Right. And, you know, it's kind of interesting because the two guys I've co-hosted primarily with over the last 10 years, Paul with Stogie Geeks and and you. Right. Are, are big Connecticut shade cigar fans. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh you you I was kind of curious to kind of say, all right, Aaron, you know, you have this reputation. Everyone says you hate everything, which yeah. I don't think is true, but you right. know, uh I wanted to kind of go through some of our favorite Connecticut shade cigars here and we could just give our opinions on 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 these. Uh and I think you came up with more than five. I have five. 
But, yeah, uh, I, just, I just came up with a list that, that yeah, yeah. We so can, I think this I can is hit a, the I think top it's a five and we can yeah. expand if we need to. But yeah, exactly. Um, so I'll have you kick it off. We'll go. We'll alternate. We'll do this. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Um, a cigar I really enjoyed, and I, I don't I don't know that I was necessarily expecting it from this brand was the Matilde Serena, um, and that it was just um, I think they were known for kind of uh, I'm not gonna say heavier blends, but just things that you didn't think were going to fit kind of fit in that Connecticut shade, like traditional Connecticut shade offering, but it really delivered. I mean, it's not a, it's, I wouldn't, I would consider it more of a kind of a classical Connecticut shade, not, not like kind of the, the newer iteration where it's like a lot more strength and body than um, previous, but uh, it just, it, it's, it felt fairly mellow in strength, but it delivered a ton of flavor and it was just, it was just a really well done cigar. And um, it's probably one, the best one, probably one of the top 10 cigars I've ever smoked. I think I know you really like that cigar. Yeah. I, yeah. Mean, I think that cigar, it's, it's a very classic Connecticut. Um, and I, and I remember when it got released, it was kind of, it was kind of released pretty fast because yeah. it was at the time of that whole FDA thing. And it was one of those cigars that landed. That was actually one of the better ones. I thought yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, it's a great line. I, I, I can't argue with that one. Uh, I think it's a sleeper in the line for sure. Yeah, because I think the Renaissance and the uh, Oscura get get more of the press, but but definitely, the, definitely that Serena is it, it's an excellent line. Yeah. I can't find a lot of fault with that. Right. Um, I don't know how you feel about this one, but I went. This is kind of I say a limited production cigar. Mm-hmm. They don't produce a lot of them, but I don't think it's a one and done. Uh, but at some point, I guess it's going to run out because it, it's the Casada Reserva Pravada, yes, the original Connecticut one. Um, I, that's the one that has, I think, the 15 year old age tobacco in it, so they don't produce a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, that one, you know, in the Casada's heyday, I, I was a big fan of that cigar. Um, to me, I know they've done the Maduro and the Barber Pole, but the I think the Connecticut's the one that really stands out with me on that one. Yeah, I think I think I've only smoked one of these ever, um, so I don't really have a good handle on it. Um, but I don't, I, I don't think it was anything that I didn't. Like I disliked about it. I just don't think I had an opportunity to smoke many of them. Yeah, it's um like I said, they don't produce a lot of them. I have a, I actually ended up buying a box of those because Manolo was spending a lot of time in Charlotte and doing events, and I bought a mm-hmm. box of those. It's got the holographic uh you know bands on it and stuff. Uh it's not a cheap cigar, but it but it is a very good cigar. Um I haven't really aged a lot of those because I tend to when I bought the box, I smoked it. Right. And I bought a few singles, but but it was a top five cigar for me a few years ago. So I, I did mm-hmm. really like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh the next one I have is the uh Cubarqueño Protocol Themis. Um and uh this was also it's it's weird because these as much as I like Connecticut Shade cigars, these usually catch me by surprise because they're usually from a brand, from for the most part. It, it's from a brand that you're not expecting that from or from a factory that you're not expecting that from, you know, this comes out, of, came out of Arizona. Um, you know, I think this is kind of like really early on in my, uh, you know, getting to know who Hector was and all that stuff. So it wasn't really, you know, kind of clear. And, um, you know, Espinosa had put out, or I guess it was 601 had put out the, you know, the black Connecticut uh, previously, but that was different. You know, that was a bit different. Yeah. Uh, than this but um yeah when, when i got a chance to smoke the cigar it just like it 
it, it's one of those kind of the newer style or it's the uh, stronger than you know the traditional kinetic shade. Uh, but it was v- very balanced in the way it delivered the strength and it delivered the flavor. So it was just, um, uh, you know, fairly early on in the in the protocol brands, you know, existence. Um, but it was it was it was a, a winner in my book. Yeah, I think that was their apex um, as far as releases go. I think that's the best blend they did yeah. uh, under the protocol brand. Um, they came out with that cigar and the Kremer, I think, the same year. Mm-hmm. And they were different because the crema was a lot milder than than yeah. or it was mild. I don't want to say it was super mild, but right. Uh, this one was bolder, and uh, I think it appealed to the uh, to the protocol audience. I I would have liked to see them do more more vitolas in this line. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of curious. I, I would have loved to see this in a Bellicoso. Yeah, I've had the double Corona that they have. It's a private one. It's pretty good. Right. Yeah. Uh, they just came out with a Churchill in that pack. I saw it at Wands. Yeah. Before. Yeah. I'm kind of curious to try that in the Churchill as well. Right. Well, yeah, I can't argue with that one. I think, like I said, I think that was protocol's peak. Yep. Uh, it's hard to top that one in my book. And they were coming out with heavier cigars. So right. this was not heavy, but it wasn't by any means light either. Yeah. 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 I'm back to Casado with my next one. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was, I remember when this cigar came out, it was like, this was like my year of the Connecticut. Um, because the Joel Sherman came out that year, right? And the Casada 40th anniversary Corona Classica, which was the Connecticut shade one that came out, and they were my number one and number two cigars that year. The Classica was number two. I put this mm-hmm. on the list because the Joel Sherman's long gone, but this one again, they produce it periodically. It's not a um, it's not one that um, they produce a lot of it, but it is ongoing and they have produced it over the years since it came out. Uh, Again, this is a like for Casada. I'd say this is more dial back, uh, for sure. But a, a very I love that Corona Classic size. It's that you know it's almost that Corona Gorda size they have. I think it's just a, a great. You know they did um they did an offshoot of this for Dojo, right? Um, I wasn't a fan of it when it came out, but that was the Perfecto they did, right? Yes, I believe so. But I'll tell you, I actually ended up getting a, a pack of those things when they came out. They aged great. That oh, cigar okay. aged really good. Like, and I went back to Eric. I said, because Eric, I don't think was a huge fan of it either. But I said, Eric, and well, you need go back and age it. I said, these things aged out really well. Oh, okay. uh, it just nice. seemed like these took longer to age than the Classicas did. Those Dojo, that was a Dojo Deluxe or something it was. Yeah. I don't think I ever spoke the the original Corona Classica. I don't think I ever got it. it. Again, it was, was kind of early on in my smoking days. Yeah, this was 2014. Yeah. So, and they they've only periodically released these to a few retailers. It's not. It's it, it's. I tried not. I have my other stuff's not limited after this. So. Right. Um. But to me, yeah, that that's another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, my next one is the um, Hoya de Nicaragua Antonio CT. Um, and I. I I wasn't sure how this was going to go over because the Antonio line is pretty well known as like a butt kicker of a, of a cigar. Right. Uh, but they did pretty well with the Connecticut. Um, you know, it didn't have, it's not, it wasn't going to knock you over with strength, but it had some strength to it. Uh, but I think it, um, I think it was very well balanced. Um, I, I almost look at it as though, as kind of like, What I think what everybody expected Padron could have done with the Damaso, but Hoya did it with the Antonio. That's a that's a fair thing. thing. So that makes sense. But 
Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a well done cigar. I, I was, I wasn't a huge fan of it. Um, Mm -hmm. I'll be honest, but because I, I, I always liked the old Classico they did. To me, I always yeah. liked that old Classico. Mm-hmm. So if I had a choice, I'd go to the Classico. But that cigar did very well for them. Yeah. Um, I actually have the Lonsdale coming up for review in a few weeks. I haven't reviewed that Lonsdale okay. for what. So I have to. Yeah, I like the. I like the. I think I like the thicker ring gauges better than the. Yeah, the I can say from what I've smoked so far, the bigger ring gauges work better with that. Yeah. 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 Um, this is a cigar I really love. Um, it's the uh, Aventura Queen's Pearls. Mm-hmm. Uh, Queen's per- Queen's Pearl or Queen's Pearls. Uh, my number two cigar to you last year. I think it was one of the best Connecticut's to come out in the last few years. I'm very partial to the Corona size, uh, but people seem to have their favorite Vitola in that. Um, uh, I I've been told that that cigar they're going to be able to continue production despite the problems with the factory with it. Oh, nice. So I yeah I heard some good news on that just for how logistically they had some step. So apparently we're going to continue to see that. Um, they came out with that and the King's Return, which was the broadleaf. But to me, this one, uh, very flavorful, very, very well balanced. Uh, but I, I, me, the Corona size is the one that spoke to me on this one as well. Yeah, I've only smoked it in the Lancero and I thought it was okay. So maybe the, maybe it's the same thing, a bigger ring gauge for this. I'm not going to say, smoke, I'm not going to say you smoked the wrong size, <laughs> uh, but a lot of people love that Lancero. I mean, there's people yeah. that go crazy over that Lancero and I'm like, yeah. well, it's, I thought it was okay, but I think the Corona to me spoke better and the Robusto smoked better. Bear's a fan of the Robusto. Okay. In that one. Yeah. But yeah. those two sizes spoke better to me than the Lancero. So it may be that. All right. Yeah. Um, this next one, I can't wait to, cause I just smoked this cigar in the last week. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, the Jason Crawls Latino Sans. I, I think I, I don't had know some... how you pr- pronounce it or not. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, look, look. I don't know. I don't. So you just smoked it. Did you just recently acquire it, or have you? No, had it for it's, a while? it was one of those aged ones I had okay. sitting around. I don't even it's... know if he's still making these cigars. No, and I was like, why is he? I, I don't know if it's a tobacco issue. To me, this was one of the best cigars he did. Yeah, it's a yeah. fantastic cigar. Um, I mean, he 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 does make good cigars like you know the original red knight's good there's there's lots of cigars he makes that are good yeah um and uh you know this i just didn't this was one another one of those things where it's just not something i think you expect from the from the brand kind of based on the track record of what they've put out um and this was another good another good one um you know not a not a mild connecticut no by any means but you know well well balanced yeah, it's like, you know, sometimes you can go too far with the strength. And, you know, you're just putting a Connecticut shade wrapper on a cigar that's got a bunch of, you know, body and strength to it that yeah. overpowers that anyway. But this does a good job of the balance. This is really good. So, I, like I said, I don't know if he still makes them or not, but I'm sure I still have some kicking around uh, in my humidor. So, I yeah. try to Mine's track Mine's five down. or six years old, those cigars. I mean, yeah. and they were – I remember Riste was – he had a couple of construction issues with it, but the stuff he sent me, I said, Risky, the stuff you sent me is flawless. I'm, I'm not having any problems with it. Yeah. So, uh, but that was a, that's kind of what triggered this segment, actually. It's kind of oh, funny okay. you put this on the list. And I didn't even <laughs> tell you that because I smoked it over the weekend. I'm like, um, this is, this is a hell of a cigar. I'm like, still yeah. even with the age on it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I was glad to see that on the list. Um, I don't know how you feel about this one, but I remember this was a Paul. When I smoked, you know, when Paul got me into this cigar. It's one, right. This is one of his favorites. The EPC New Wave Reserver. Mm-hmm. Uh, love that cigar. I, I, from talking to 
the EPC folks, you remember they did a short run 2012? Yep. From what I understand, this is kind of, they took that and they made it a regular for a while. Regular oh, okay. But I don't, I don't know if this cigar is still in production. Mm. I, I don't see it on the website anymore. Um, I love that. I love this cigar. It's a little bolder than the, uh, the new wave Connecticut. Right. To me, this one was, uh, it wasn't too powerful and it was yeah. still speaking to me as a Connecticut a lot. Right. Uh, but I smoked a lot of those. Um, you know, again, just going back to when I was a Stogie Geeks, you know, I'd smoked mm-hmm. it, but, but I think that cigar might be on hiatus. I don't want to say it's discontinued. I think it might be on hiatus. Yeah. I don't, that, that I don't know. Um, but I do remember smoking some of these and I, I thought they were enjoyable. Yeah. No, they're definitely, they're, they're really, they were, they're a little more premium than the, the new wave Connecticut's a really affordable one, but this one, it's got the broadleaf binder on it. It's, mm-hmm. it's a solid cigar. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if it can, I think it may have competed with the new wave Connecticut and this was more pricey, but it, it's well worth it in my book. Yeah. The new wave Connecticut, I was kind of, I can go do with or without it, but that's a, that, no, interesting. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have known that. So, yeah. Uh, I haven't smoked new wave Connecticut in a while. So that I know they still make that yeah. one. I know they still make. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my next one is, um, I think, a long-standing brand, Davidoff Grand Cru. Um, just a, you know, it's it's a little pricey, but um, I think it delivers quite quite a bit. Um, and uh, you know, I think it's worth. It's got some value still, even with a higher price point. But very very smooth cigar, very creamy, um, very very classic uh, Connecticut shade style. So the, a lot of these ones that we were talking about before, uh, kind of, I think maybe newer. Newer style, a little bit more strength to them. This is yep. kind of a throwback to that that older, very mild uh, but flavorful version. I had this on my list, but I pulled it because you had it. Mm-hmm. But last night on um, when we were doing the uh, roundtable show, like we Bear just kind of threw a random question out about um, like a blend that has stood the test of time. It hasn't like it's aged. It's kind of maintained itself over the years, right? And Grand Cru was the cigar that came to mind for me immediately. Yeah. Uh, to me, that cigar is the best. It's the best regular production Davidoff line in the white label for mm-hmm. sure. Um, it's great cigar. I mean, I yeah. just I remember when um when we went to Davidoff, I kind of hadn't smoked those in a while, and we were smoking a ton of them down at the Davidoff uh, trip. Yeah. And after now, I've just it's a cigar I actually have bought several of those over the years and just yep. have them. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it's a great line. I, I think it's a great pick. I think, I think I said I think it's Davidoff's best white label for me. It's Davidoff's best white label line. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so along those lines, though, I put the Timeless Sterling on that list, which supposedly is kind of mm-hmm. based off the Grand Crew. Right, That's what I've heard. I don't know if Michael will say that, but there's a lot of similarities with that cigar. Yeah. Uh, I, I love that. So that the Joel Sherman was based off the Sterling, which right. I found out much later. And that's why I love the Joel Sherman. Um, they did that in a Churchill size, but uh, I'm a big fan of the, uh, every size in the Sterling line to me is, is really good. Uh, right. I, I didn't like when that was the one line I thought they shouldn't have put on the timeless. I think it should have been, I like the silver bands they had and those yep. boxes those rust 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 boxes were pretty cool. Yeah. So uh 
So yeah, the Sterling was uh I still really like the Sterling though. Yeah, that is a nice line. Yeah. Like I said, I, I love all the sizes. I've had I think I've had the Lancero in that name like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. They did a nice. big Lancero, the eight inch Lancero with that. Right. Yeah. I yeah. think that's yeah. Cool. All right. So you have a couple more um, here. I had a I had a couple more that you on there. Uh yep. and you know, these are kind of new and newer ones. This is the the Dapper La Madrina shade. Um great line. Uh I called it the way I kind of described it was this, if Davidoff had kind of had a factory in Nicaragua and was making white labels, that's I think what it would taste like. Yeah. You know, kind of using some some of that Nicaraguan tobacco or whatever. Um it just it, it's just really nice. It's got uh, you know, it's it's not as I would it's not as smooth as that Grand Cru. But it's got that little kind of Nicaragua, a bit of a Nicaraguan yeah. edge to it. I think that kind of yeah plays into it. So I yeah. thought it was nice. I uh, I agree. I agree on that one um, as well. And what I like about that cigar, um, and I have to, I have to get that one reviewed still um, because I, I did enjoy it. it. Um, you know that Noxa factory is not known for Connecticut, right? And Ian Ian found a way to get a really good Connecticut out of that factory. You know that's known for much heavier cigars like the you know Mi Caritas. You know, yeah. and some of Ian's other stuff, but yeah, that's a good cigar. Yeah, and the other one was the uh, Henry Clay Warhawk. Um, uh-huh. That that's definitely a. This is definitely a. That was definitely a cigar that I was not expecting from Altidus at all, regardless of the brand it was coming from. Um, it, it was just a. It was a winner in my book. Um, you know, price point very attractive, um, and it was a, it was a really flavorful. Um, you know, more on the milder side kind of cigar, but very, very, uh, very smooth, very flavorful. I'll argue that that did more for Henry Clay than when they did the stock cut or Pete cigar. I would agree I think, with that. Yeah, 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 I think that did a lot more for Henry Clay as a brand. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I agree. You know, it's I was a little ambivalent on that cigar at first, but mm-hmm. I've kind of the Corona size again. That's another size I really like with that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, um. You know, you know, I'll put Monte Cristo White on this list too. Okay, I, I do like the Monte Cristo Whites. Um, it, you know, to me, it's 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 a mild cigar, mm-hmm. but it's got great flavor. It's consistent. Uh, I probably don't smoke yeah. as much of those as I I you know can. Right. These days, because we're always smoking everything else. But yeah, yeah, it's just it's it's really hard to smoke a lot of anything in particular. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's like yeah, like like I know like I don't know how many times I've. Like I smoked that Riste cigar over the weekend, and that's like a rare thing that I've done these days. Yeah. Just just lighting up a cigar like that. Um, I just don't have the time to do it anymore. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, no, so, uh now let me ask, kind of wrap it up. I, I don't know if you had anything else, but um, are you more of a new school Connecticut guy or an old school Connecticut guy? I don't care. Okay. I, I don't care about Paul's tobacco. The same way. Paul's the same I don't, way. Yeah. yeah, I don't care about tobacco. I don't care about the details of the blend. I just want a good cigar. Like, do it, whatever, whatever it takes to make it happen. Uh-huh. Yep. Do it. If I like it, I like it. I don't, I don't care about the details. So yeah. I, I, I'm going to say I agree with you on that. Uh, I maybe I steer more towards the milder ones. Um, but you know, like I said, there are a few of those. Like again, we talk about that Zotno Sons. I think if Fritz could bring that cigar back, he should. Um, yeah. I mean, there's yeah. there's there's perfect times for kind of you know the the varying ones like you know if you want that you know early morning thing and you want it light like those are perfect frit but you can have that you know that Zlatan something like that and then you have it in the afternoon have it in the evening you know where you typically wouldn't have a Connecticut shade and it stands up to you know that time so 
um, there's always a place for them, you know, the varying ones. And if you're, yeah. just, if you're, as long as you're uh, an open smoker to, you know, whatever, then you can, you can enjoy all of them. But if you, I, if you're I, someone I, that just like mild, then yeah, you there's some on this list that you could say, all right, I could pick for these because these, these would fit my, my mild kind of profile that I want. Yeah. But if you're a powerhouse smoker, the mild ones would probably be lost on you. So yeah. there's, there'd be something here that you could still try and like, because they have enough body and enough strength for you. I agree. Is there any, again, I think I know the answer is, but any size you go for, again, it's just up to what it, what you smoke. Um, I don't really necessarily have a preference into the size. Um, I do prefer, you know, not super big ring gauges just because it's just not, it's to me, it's not comfortable to smoke. Um, but um, I don't know. I, I, part of me says I want to, I want to small smoke thinner ring gauges because you know the, what we're told is that you know you get more of the wrapper which i don't know that i believe i don't that. know if i buy that I either i don't believe i don't like there's so much more tobacco in the filler that how is this one leaf that's wrapped around the outside going to provide whatever they say 60 80 percent of the whatever it is I, I don't i don't know that i buy that yeah. but um i don't know i it, i think what i think the kind of the the running joke that you and i have is about always smoking the wrong, the wrong side. Vitola, right <laughs> right it's like you know, you if, you, if there was if there was a bus vitola, then everybody would just make that vitola, right? Like yeah. this one, this one line, the the right size could be the Toro. This one line, the right size could be the Corona. This one yeah. size, the right size could be the Lancero. It, yeah, you just never know, right? So no, I totally, um, I totally, I totally agree on that. Yeah, I I will say that um, smoking a short cigar is not my favorite thing because sometimes it just goes too fast. Um, unless you're smoking something that's like maybe a larger ring gauge, but short and you get a lot of smoking time out of it. Um, but like if you smoke a nub, like you get a long smoking time out of smoking a nub, even though it's so short. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. but if it's like a three and a half inch by 48, like, I, I don't know, man, it's just like, like firecracker, like, yes, it's a nice quick, you know, as, as long as it's a good blend, it's a nice quick burst of flavor or whatever. And I'm not, I'm not in a winter, uh, climate. So it, I don't have a, like a thing where I need to go out yeah. for 20 minutes to get a cigar and I'm, you know, whatever. But um, yeah, I'd say, I don't know, just not, just nothing super big ring gauge. Yep. You know, it's uh, I, I tend to go to the Corona quarters, but mm -hmm. I agree with you on everything you said, because I remember like, the, again, I know you weren't a fan of this as much as I, but the new wave Connecticut line had a Churchill. I really liked. Yeah. So I used to smoke those church, that Churchill size a lot with that but then you get some scars that are only single single vitolas like you get yeah. like you smoke the dark rituals right there's only one size in the dark rituals yeah. right yeah right, so. right. exactly and that was a bigger size right yeah so yeah you, you know another one that's really good um yeah I, I should put this on the list lh the original black label connecticut he did hmm. it was one of those bolder connecticut's nick series right. did that and then he changed the blend and made it milder uh, okay. And then he found that everyone wanted the other line, the black label line. I, I yeah. like that that black label Connecticut. It's it's, it's pretty good and, with that. I, and I, I mentioned it earlier about the six hundred one black, but I didn't put it on the list for some reason. I don't know. Yeah, why. I should have put that one on there. It's a good cigar. <laughs> uh, very yeah. good cigar. Um, and I think they brought it back, and it I, it was really good. I mean, sometimes when yeah. they bring these back, um, yeah, I just smoked actually the Nestor Miranda Special Selection Connecticut. I thought that was actually pretty good as well. And yeah. I haven't been a fan of Pepin's Connecticut's. Right. So, but that one I do like. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. All right. All right. We're coming to the end here. 
Um, couple of pro uh, programming note. Uh, we will be back next week. And Oliver Nouveau is, is scheduled to be the guest. So I got I to gotta firm things up with him, but uh, he is slated for next week. Um, so that will be our only, there'll be the only primetime show next week mm -hmm. for sure, unless we do a round table, but I don't think that's going to happen. So, um, but I think we're set here. So, and then the cupola starts tomorrow. So, oh, nice. 30? 30, 30 comes out tomorrow. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, you, you have a whole month now to, <laughs> Uh, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take a lot of crap on this year's list. I could tell you that. So that's all right. Uh, I did a different approach this year because the resmokes I divided them into two. Next year the plans to divide into four, so I'm not resmoking stuff that's like eleven months versus one month. But right. Um, I tried that. I think it worked a lot better this year. Okay. So yeah. the goal is eventually I want to kind of get it where I do it once a month. But it, mm. it's, it's 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 it was tough for me to do it at the beginning of the year for a lot of reasons. But uh, we'll see how this goes. I think I'm mm. going to take a lot of shit on this list this year, though, more more so, especially the, right. 26 to 30 are going to piss some people off. Maybe so. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. But uh, you know, thanks again, Aaron. Uh, yeah. for for hanging. I know like you had some stuff going on tonight. Always appreciate it. Yeah. So, Absolutely, uh, no problem. And thanks to our audience. Thanks to the boys from Cavalier Cigars. That's going to wrap up primetime episode 251 into the annals of history for Thursday, December 8th. Now, Friday, December 9th on the East Coast. We'll see everybody next time. See you guys. <laughs>